Bad snap. Bobble. Oh. Scooped oh. up. Here come the Spartans. Touchdown, MSU. From WDBM East Lansing, you're listening to the Green and White Report, a production from Impact Sports. This is your source for sports news, debates, and more for Michigan State, Detroit, and the rest of the sports world. Michigan State. Good morning, East Lansing. I hope you're hanging in there. Uh, we're struggling a bit over here. Yeah, it's been a been a very slow, slow moving Sunday morning. Tough, tough day yesterday. Understandably so for Spartan fans. But uh, as always, Ryan Rabinowitz, Julian Mitchell along with me. The 113th installment of the Green and White Report. Sunday, September Jeez. 15th. Somehow it's September 15th. It's it's crazy how fast this is going. We're on 113 episodes? That's wild. We're getting old, man. We are. We are getting old. I don't know if I can do this for 100 more, however many we got left in time. Us. Time flies when you're having fun. It so really they, does. So they say. So they say. Uh... So, Julian, uh, I'd like to pick up the mood here, but I'm not sure quite how to do it. I feel bad. I don't mean that when people tune in on Sunday morning, they're supposed to hear my my cheery voice, and it's supposed to be a happy times, and we share these memories, and and we move about our, our, our merry way, but I don't know. Yeah, I don't know how to pick it up. The NFL is back. The NFL is back. Let's pick, Oh, well, the Lions <laughs> tied last week, so we can just tear ourselves right back down. Hey, they tied. They didn't lose. Yeah, yeah, thanks. We really appreciate hey, that. Undefeated insight. season is still alive, as Trent says. Super Bowl, Super Bowl all day. Right. Yeah, fair enough. Um, you're right. The NFL is back. It is good times. The fall. It's starting to become fall. Grand. We did have a couple of really hot days this week, which I didn't appreciate. We did. It's kind of gross. I and I. It's it's on me though, because I was getting cocky for being like, oh, I. You know, usually in August you're walking to class and you show up like soaking wet, like you got out of a swimming pool, and it hasn't happened yet. But it, that that happened last week. But it's whatever. It's it's transitioning to fall football is here like it or hate it it's good times it's a good time to be alive it's all it's one of my favorite times of the year it is it's a great time you got college football on saturday pro football on sunday you got monday it's it's a good time you know getting back in the swing of things with classes and stuff you know it's it's all right it's all right it's all right uh we'll get moving here folks we got a lot to do today i'll throw the number out first i gotta say my producer Ricardo, just just so you know people are uh People might be upset, so if the phone lines start buzzing, I apologize, but we'll get those people on, on the lines because I know there's probably a lot of opinions circling the Michigan State football team. But uh, if you want to call in, 517-432-3893 to text in 517-884-8989. You can tweet us during the show at WDBM Sports hashtag GW Report. A uh, lot to do today. Obviously, we'll kick off the show with Michigan State football and their loss to Arizona State yesterday. We have some Michigan State soccer with Ian Gilmore. Glad to have him on the show today. Uh, pretty big, big stuff today. Michigan State some light, head, lacrosse some light. Coach, head lacrosse coach Matt Holtz will join us in studio, which is cool. We appreciate him coming in. That's no, always that's... that's always cool stuff. That's like a cool moment for me. It's super cool. You get the coach to come in. Come in studio, too. Like, get, could have hit us with the big time. Hey, I'll give you a phone call. I'll call you. But yeah. no, he's like, I'm coming in studio. Come, come to good old Holden Hall. We appreciate Matt Holtz coming in for that. Uh, our Sparty Awards today, worst fantasy football, guys. You're going to want to stay tuned for that one. That'll be a doozy. Uh, we'll go MSU football part two and preview the Northwestern game, and we'll talk some NFL and, per usual, give you the picks. I wonder how I did last week. I don't even know. I haven't even looked. I haven't either, I to assume, be with you. Based on my track record, I assume it's somewhere between uh, five games below 500 to 500. I'm usually never <laughs> positive with the picks. 
But whatever. Uh, that's just how it, it is. It can't be worse than Turk, though. Yeah, Kyle Turk, who bad. is in studio today, is yeah, gonna come on well, later on. So shout, shout out to Kyle Turk completely, coming back. Completely forgetting that our uh, our alumni Kyle Turk is here in studio <laughs> today to talk some Michigan State football. Oh, he was a uh, three and three and thirteen last. Three week, and thirteen. Said. Three and thirteen. That's, That's tough. just That's like absolutely Browns, awful. It's like a Browns football season. <laughs> It's not, not a good. great look. Not a great look. Not good. He is the Grand Haven Sports, Grand Haven Tribune sports reporter, though. So shout out to that. That is we'll true. give him that. We will get him on later in the show. Stay tuned for that. Okay, let's just do it, man. Michigan State. Football. Do we have to? We do. Uh, it's that's our job, unfortunately. Oh, okay. Um, we don't get paid though, so we can just like leave. I know that's not... tough. You think with the budget we have, you can like a, you know like a dollar a show. I'll yeah, take like a dollar a, a show. Whatever. Uh, Michigan State losing to Arizona State at Spartan Stadium yesterday, ten to seven. Like a high-scoring baseball game for most of that uh, affair. A little bit of stats for you because we love to throw you some stats. Brian Lewerke, twenty-four for thirty-eight through the air, two hundred ninety-one yards. Elijah Collins, nineteen carries, seventy-two yards, and a touchdown. Daryl Stewart, nine catches, one hundred twenty-one yards. One hundred twenty-one yards. Excuse me. Uh, great grab. One of the best catches I've ever seen late in the game there. Uh, we it's do unbelievable. We do appreciate Daryl Stewart Jr. <laughs> we really do. Uh, we really do. Okay, Julian. Uh, I don't know. Do you want to kick it off? I can kick it off. I'm not happy. I don't know if I told... That was the big debate today on the way into the studio. Do I go scorched earth on this team? I don't know if I really have it in me. That's what I don't know. I, I like... I, I feel the anger. And I do, you feel the disappointment, but I don't know if I'm ready to burn it all to the ground. Okay. I don't, I don't know. I don't, I don't know. Maybe that's soft. No, it's not. It's, it's, it's not soft. I'll get into my thoughts about the whole D'Antonio thing and everyone that thinks that we should fire him and never let him back in East Lansing now all of a sudden. Um, I'll kick it over to you with your thoughts on the game initially. I'm going to, yeah. I'm going to process, <laughs> I'm going to listen and I'm going to process and, uh, I'll, I'll think about how I want to approach this based on what you have to tell me about what you saw in the game. Okay. There we go. I'll try and do it as best I can. Cause honestly, this is still a process and this is going to come out as a very emotional garbage out of my mouth, but we're going to make it work. Honestly, you watch this game. It, this is the night, the absolute nightmare that Spartan fans have been waiting for. And I think it's something that everyone pushed out of their minds post-Western Michigan. Start to think, oh, 51 points. It's the new normal now. This is, this is what the revamped offense looks like. And I don't think anyone was prepared for what happened yesterday. I don't think anyone figured that this was going to happen again. And I kind of I alluded to it, that this team is going to be Jekyll and Hyde all throughout the year. And they're going to have moments where they look really good. And they're going to have moments where they really don't look good. And I don't know, you know what was supposed to change. Say I didn't never thought Salem was the guy. Lewerke's okay. He's not great. You don't have wide receivers who can create in space, who can bust past their defenders. I think that's the biggest problem. You look at this, is you look all throughout that offense. The line is not great. Injuries are everywhere. Holes are everywhere. Lewerke's not as accurate as he was. He threw pretty well yesterday. He had a couple passes that were dropped by his receivers, but no one's creating in space. No one can get past their def- defenders. No one has an elite burst of speed. Stewart looks great, but he can only do so much. There was no ad- true attack downfield. Nothing went that far. And that's, to me, that's all I can say. They finished well. They were able to move the ball at least. But once it got across the 50, it was over. There's no one who can create who's a red zone target. You really miss Felton Davis. This is where you miss a guy yeah. like him who can create in the red zone, who's tall enough, who's a, somebody you can go for. And that's what this team lacks. They're, they're lacking playmakers at a lot of their positions on offense. That's, to me, that's the biggest part on offense defense it was great once again and I, i'm really getting mad that people are you know some people are coming at the defense saying oh well they gave up that whole stuff on the um 
in the fourth quarter as uh, uh, Jaden Jaden uh, made his move down the line there, especially it's come those couple of those last runs to extend that last drive before they scored. And I get it. Definitely probably should have been a spy on that piece. But for four quarters of play, that defense was tremendous. And they can only do so much when they have to sit there, play every down, and go and watch that offense stink up the field every single time. And I don't know what's going on in the locker room. I'm not in there. D'Antonio says everything's fine. But at some point, that defense is going to get mad that they are sitting there wasting their energy, gassing themselves out for an offense that can't do anything. And that's going to be a problem going down the line. I don't know how the coaching staff goes about getting that back, getting that trust back, but I think that's going to be the biggest thing is there's there's going to be a lack of trust within this team, you know, a lack of what they want to do. That's kind of – there's issues everywhere. I don't. It's hard to say what exactly what everything was, but to me, some of those were the biggest things. I don't get the the penalties were bad, refs weren't great, but at some point, you got to accept the fact that MSU just was not going to win this football game, and that's just a fact. That's hard to swallow. I was at the game yesterday. I don't. Uh, I, I'm a usually a big season ticket guy, only when they have like Michigan and Ohio State at home because those are the games to watch. Uh, got a free ticket, so I went. And the unfortunate thing for me is, as I told you last week, I flew out to Tempe last year and watched Michigan State play Arizona State. Uh, I lost that game 16 to 13. So another three point loss. I, maybe I just, I need to stop going to games, especially when they play Arizona, <laughs> Arizona State, State. Arizona State is my kryptonite. That's what it, they're like. It all, they're also like MSU's new Northwestern, which they have to play Northwestern next week. So we'll see how that goes. I do, I appreciate and I'm proud of you for the reserve that you showed during that. Because I think that as, as I was listening to you, I was getting more, I was just reliving it. It was like, I'm getting a, angrier. Yeah, getting a bit angrier. Um, I mean, we. I think that we knew this conversation was going to happen at some point this year as far as the fact of, you know, it's going to be w- whatever game it was, whether it was Arizona State or Northwestern or Wisconsin or whatever maybe game that you shouldn't have lost and there's no reason to lose, but we're sitting here going, wow, I can't believe this is another year where the defense is that good and the offense just doesn't show up. And you're right. I have to imagine as someone that's playing on the defensive side of the ball for Michigan State, there has to be a bit of animosity where it's like, really? Like we hold, you hold Arizona State to three points all game long. Granted, the drive at the end was bad, and we can, I'll, I'll get into that a bit too, but you can't score more than 10. I was saying the whole game, when it was 3 nothing going into half, I was like, if Michigan State can score four points, the game's over. That's all I needed. They got their touchdown, granted, uh, and, and then you know it, it kind of fell apart from there at the back end. But there was never a second in this game where I was comfortable. And it's unfortunate when you come off of a game where your offense puts up 51 points, you know, for me to sit there and, and and never be able to just like relax and sit down and breathe and eat my pretzel from section eight, I, I had to, you know, I was always on edge, which I don't like to be in games like that. Oh, yes. But that's just unfortunately being a Michigan State fan and being a Detroit sports fan. That's how I live my life. I've gotten used to it. My blood pressure's through the roof. I don't have many years left to live. Um, so from that front, I, I, it was. Like I said, I just think to to your point about, you know, it wasn't expected. I don't think it was expected this game. I agree with you on that front. When you're a two-touchdown favorite at home against an Arizona State team who the only player I could name on that team was Eno Benjamin, not that they're a horrible team. I think their defense was actually really well organized that game. I can't pin it all on the offense being horrible. Um, But it it, it was just like... 
you kind of were waiting for Michigan State to pull away, and it never happened. You're like, okay, when's the drive that you know they're going to get something to click downfield? And it never happened. I mean, you had a couple big plays, uh, Siebert, Seibert, whatever, the tight end at a, at, a, at a pretty big play up the middle there. Um, Daryl Stewart had his fantastic catch that's been all over Twitter. Fantastic. Uh, by the way, I don't know where Cody White's been all year. I don't know if you can help me out with that one. He had five catches for about 38 yards yesterday. Not quite sure where he's been all year. Is like you're supposed to be one of your playmakers on offense. Um, I also think the tight end play is 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 it, not, pa- good. Is not good. Not good. Not good. If I see another Dodson drop pass, and I mean, I there was one that Lewerke kind of threw behind him. But even Ladarius Jefferson dropping a pass too, and now I'm just completely rambling dropped and, one as well. rambling and scrambling with 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 thoughts. But I'll I'll try to pull it back in. Um, like I said, went to the ASU game last year, 100 degrees at kickoff and 98 degrees when we left the stadium. But it was the same feeling. Like you're waiting for Michigan State to pull away. You're waiting for for someone to make a play, for Elijah Collins to break a run, for for Lewerke to complete a pass downfield, and it just it it simply never happened. They didn't. They struggled to move the ball all day. It was bizarre how they couldn't like string anything together. Just another point to back like you were waiting for it to happen, and and like I said, it was a conversation that we knew we were going to have to have at some point. I I. And, you know, maybe maybe it's on me. Maybe it looks poorly on me that I told you before week one that this team was going to go 11-1 and and win the Big Ten. Like, that's that's on me. That's <laughs> that's that's me drinking the Kool-Aid and being a slappy and not really analyzing and, like, wanting wanting to accept the fact that this offense is as poor as it is. Um, I'll get into the coaching thing later. Um, but back to the game, I mean, it, you know, for those of you who hadn't watched the game or just because we have to dig it up, I hate to reopen the wound, uh, you go back to the last drive for Arizona State. Uh, they throw the bomb at Judd. I don't think Jaden Daniels, who is a true freshman, by the way, which is very rare to see in college football and, and for him to you know succeed like he did yesterday, I don't think he threw a pass for more than five yards all day long. Maybe I wasn't watching closely enough. But he throws the bomb, which should have been a touchdown too. By the way, if he throws the ball, you know, halfway decent, it should have been. It should have been. He um, had a good one too when they were down at the uh, down at the down the red zone. He threw it right in on an I think it was an out route to one of his receivers. Just get, dropped the pass. I think somebody defender got a hand in there. It was a good pass though. So I I it's just for that play to happen. That was kind of the moment for me. I was like, here we go. Like it's the, the I watched the same thing. They Arizona State drove the field last year against Michigan State. They kicked their last second field goal and the game was over. Uh, so that play happens. You know, it's the the I believe there was a penalty down there too that 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 pushed him up a little bit. And then you have fourth and fifteen, fourth and sixteen. You have no QB spy on a guy that like factually really can't throw, and he runs for sixteen yards, gets a first down, and then that and then that was it. You knew they were getting in the end zone, and I can't fault the defense. You're right about that. I I can't fault the defense for playing unreal for. 3.75 quarters then they kind of you know they they fall apart whatever the one big if that big play doesn't happen on uh, that's thrown right at Josh Butler I don't think you see Arizona State get in the end zone like I was saying all game long score me four points and you win the game you win four three give me two safeties the game's over um so then we go to the kick uh Matt Coughlin by the way He's been and I I said verbatim last week. I was like, "Wow, what a what a pleasure it is to have a guy like Matt Coughlin that can just make kicks for you like clockwork." And this is what I get. And I I it's hard for me not to put it on myself. This is what you get. 
over three on field goals, unacceptable. And I, I always say to, I get it, like the, the discrepancy between college kicker and like NFL kicker is night and day. I, I hate to be a guy that's like, all you do all day is kick footballs. How do you not make your field goals? The last field goal, when, the, when they had to redo the kick, I've, I I mean, I think I put a ball on target better than that was. That was just this despicable. It wasn't great. wasn't a great look. But and here's here's where maybe we can transition if you want to into into D'Antonio. Go for it. Uh, what I don't understand on that last drive is the back to back timeouts that they call. I know whatever the play, there's a big first down play for Arizona State. They get out of bounds. Herm calls his timeout to get us get the puppies organized, and D'Antonio responds with back to back timeouts. Which when the especially when the clock is stopped and you're playing a true freshman quarterback. I don't know what, like, that was like a panic move. Like, you wanted to see how they set up, and then they go out there and set up, and you do it again. So now you leave yourself with zero timeouts, which to me is is a cardinal sin to do in football, especially because you, you have to have some sort of awareness that Arizona State might score here, and you might have to go drive the field and set up for a field goal and need a timeout. So they have zero. So there's your first problem. Uh, now you go into the kicking and they drive the field all they get gifted with the pass interference call which by the way is again I'm just rambling and going off track now I thought the officiating was horrible on both sides all day long I've never like being in the stadium there was one situation when I think that they were reviewing the Daryl Stewart catch which everyone in the stadium thought it was a catch I guess he trapped the ball I hadn't seen the replays I I believe you whatever but the just the, the from the referees going, can you reset the game clock to like three thirty two? Oh, then, and then they go, can you do it to three thirty six? Then three forty seven, and I'm screaming, why don't we push it back to five minutes? Like, what are you doing? Very unorganized, no control of the game. They missed a. I mean, there's holding on every play in football, but they missed. I mean, everything that happened in the game, I feel like they 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 missed or it was soft or and then the. I didn't even know like you can review the the whole. There's 12 men on the field, so into the kick now is again. I'm just rambling because I'm <laughs> I'm going off the rails here. You have 11 seconds left. The clock is stopped. Your play clock's running down. I'm of the opinion. My immediate knee jerk was take one shot to the end zone, and I understand because the Antonio said after the game, the thought process was if you take a shot and you're somehow in bounds, the game's over. I agree. So throw the ball to the end zone. And you have to trust your quarterback, which they probably don't. They probably don't trust the worky. That, that if you feel pressure, the ball needs to get out of bounds, like get rid of the ball or take your shot. So whatever. But the problem there is you're so like half in the water that you don't know what to do and you freak out and you spaz out. And now you're forcing, you know, the and, and you sent me the link of Lewerke being like, what are we doing? So you go offense, stay on the field, no let's come off, no stay on, and now you're pulling your offense off the field with 10 seconds left, and you're forcing your field goal kicker, who it factually takes your kicker five seconds or so to set up and and, and go through his, his rhythm and routine, and you rush everyone on the field, and you get the kickoff, thank the Lord, and he makes it, which is great, and the the flag gets thrown 
30 seconds later, you have 12 guys, you pick it up, you don't have 12 guys, and somehow you can review it and you can count the guys, and they move them back five yards and the kick's nowhere to be found. Granted, you have the one guy on Arizona State jumping over the center, which you can't do, which no one saw that, apparently. I didn't see it live because I was... I, was, <laughs> I didn't see it live either. I was too busy huddled over and about to throw up because I was so nervous and disgusted. So, I don't know. Now that I, I just... It's so... It's so frustrating it's that awful. that's how... Go ahead. And I I'm just going to say, I, just to comment ahead. on what you just said, like that's the biggest problem you look at this football team. Is that 11 seconds, I think almost every coach would take one shot at the end zone. There's an, they, the announcers even said it. They're, sh- they're going to take one shot here and then kick. But the fact that they couldn't figure out whether the offense should be on or the kicker should be on shows the absolute lack of trust on the offense and special team side of the ball. The only place that this team can trust is the defense. And that's the problem. They don't have a quarterback they can trust. No wide receivers they can trust. They don't. There's no confidence in what this offense can do. And I think that's that's the issue here, is this offense can't do anything. You're not scoring anything, and you're in games like this where you have no idea what you're doing. There's no communication, and it ends with 12 men on the field. The offense, too, I don't even know what it is. I don't, I don't know what it is. I don't have an answer for you. The offensive line is banged up, yes. How they can't manage to to get these guys ready to go and like compete in a in a college football division one game beyond me. I don't know. They got a couple guys hurt yesterday too during the game. Uh you're missing your curry. You're missing Chewins. I get it. Uh you're you're banged up. Uh the running game, you were you were kind of hoping for a nice uh follow-up from Elijah Collins to follow up as a 192-yard game. Didn't really happen. Average like three or four yards a carry this week, which is what it is. If you really if if you can't establish the run game with this offense, it's hard for them to open up the passing game. I get it. The play calling not spectacular. It's it's better than when Warner was calling plays. I I'll 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 fight tooth and nail about that one. And then you look at your quarterback. I can't I can't point the finger at Lewerke. Um he he had the one loss fumble you know, no interceptions on the day. Granted, you know, not not much going. He made a couple nice runs out of the pocket to where he extended some plays for you and got you some yardage. I just, I just don't know. I I I, I don't have an answer for you as to why the offense is so bad. I think it's a combination of many things. And as now we can get into it, it you know, do you do you point? Because I, I I would like to make this a, a legitimate topic of discussion. Because, for one, to, to me it makes me sick, but do you genuinely, after this game, look at Mark D'Antonio and go, this guy's time is up. Like, it's time for him to go. It's it's on him. Like, this is this is his fault for what happened. And granted, like I said, back-to-back timeouts, don't like it. That's a, that's a bad coaching move, in my opinion. I don't like how they manage the field goal. But but are you honestly looking at because if 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 you if you are be honest with me don't lie to me if if you if you think D'Antonio's the problem if you want him gone tell me right now is it a legitimate concern and, and, and what's your thought process? I definitely we talked about this coming in, and for me I look at it and yes the offense is a problem but this defense is a group of players that have been coached up and that are going out every single game and probably being the best defense in the entire freaking nation is D'Antonio's defense. And maybe, yeah, the offense has it holes. He does. He is at fault for just thinking he can shift around people in his own crew and make Brad Salem the offensive coordinator, and that would solve all the issues. That is his fault. It is on him. But I don't know if I'm going straight to firing. I don't know. I just, I really, 
at a certain point, I it is offense and what they create and the play calling. But at a certain point, I just think it's the players. I just I don't I personally this team can put up more than seven points. Yes, the players are good, but I just don't know if it's not Connor Cook anymore. I don't know. I think people keep coming to Spartan Stadium to expect to see Brian Lorca to be Connor Cook, and I get it. He had a great first year, but then he hurt his shoulder. Then he shows you he wasn't as good. He's not as accurate. He's not a pocket passer. He likes to move around. That's not what his offense is made for. L.J. Scott isn't in the backfield anymore. You're running with Elijah Collins. He's a freshman. It it just, I don't, at a certain point to me, the offense, the players can only do as much as they can. And I def- the execution can be better. The play calling can be better. But I don't know if, you know, freaking Nick Saban or freaking Cliff Klingsbury could make Brian Lewerke look like, you know, the God among men or Daryl Stewart to be a God among men. He's great. But he's not he's not going out there and being a top receiver in a crazy offense. And, and maybe maybe that's the problem is and, and I'll again, I'll admit my hands up. I I had the expectation it's because the defense is so factually good. Like they're they're it, it doesn't matter. I don't care. They haven't played like a Michigan or Ohio State yet. They are a a one of the best defenses that Michigan. I I I'd say better than last year. I really would. You get you know Willikis and in, in, in Bocce with more experience. Everyone's more experienced. You return pretty much everyone on that defensive side of the ball. And I was under the the impression that Brad Salem steps in. You know you have a healthy Lewerke and things are better. And I think you're right. I think a lot of people come into Spartan Stadium and are expecting to see this complete, wholesome team that doesn't have the problems the offense had last year. And now that you see that they do have a lot of the same problems as last year, well, where do you look? That now becomes a coaching issue. I agree with you, and you said it well. I, I'm I'm not Brian Lewerke's biggest fan, but I don't think it's fair to put all the blame on him. He is what he is. He had a great sophomore year. You know, junior year he was banged up, and now it's his senior season. And he has has been better than last year. He has. But in in my opinion, I don't know if there's if he's if he's banged up or just the confidence. This offense runs on the field, and it's like everyone's it's a collective like, oh, here we go. And like it looks like that from the player standpoint too. Like they don't because they can't get anything going. Like there's no, there's no energy. There's no vibe. And I'm saying that after coming off of 51 points last week, but it's just like it's bizarre how they how they carry themselves. And I almost feel bad because they get like people are you know that's the thing. I I we had the. I had a, a I'm in a sports management class and we had the pleasure of having uh, MSU AD Bill Beekman came to talk to us last week and he he said something that put things in perspective for me very well of just how you know he when someone asked him about how he deals with criticisms and when teams aren't good and you know things like the neon uniforms like when people get mad about that he he's like you know people have to understand that that this stuff is not life and death like these are these are kids that you guys go to school with you know they're 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 young adults. There, you know, a lot of them are trying to go make a living in the NFL. Other guys, you know, won't go play in the NFL. It's it's not a life and death thing, and it's and that's true. And like, you know, we're we're fans, so we we get worked up and we argue and complain. But I just I feel bad because like this, the offense gets so much heat, and maybe it should be on D'Antonio. Maybe it should. And you're right. It was it was his decision to keep the staff together. You have to trust your coach that's taken you to a Rose Bowl victory, Cotton Bowl victory, gone to the playoff. 
got your Big Ten titles. And for anyone that wants to come at me and say, you know, stop living in the past, you can't argue the guy's resume. He's like factually a good coach. He's about to become the winningest coach in school history. So I just think it's asinine for people that are like, he needs to go. Last year, people were saying that if, if he doesn't make changes and it's still bad, then like it's on him. Like that's, you know, he needs to make changes or he's done. And I'm going to sit here and say to you again, he needs to make changes or he's done. Um, but I, I, I just, I can't, I can't call for the guy's head. And it's the same thing. It's amazing how people will like when after Michigan State basketball lost to Syracuse, everyone wants Izzo gone. They're like, his time's done, he's washed up, the program's not moving anywhere, we're sick of this, and then he takes your team to a Final Four. And, like, people still aren't happy. So, I don't know. It's asinine to me. I don't I don't get it, like, why... Who who are you gonna get? Answer me that question. Like who's if if you if you want someone else on the uh, coaching this team, you pick up the phone right now. I'll give you the number before we go to break five one seven four three two three eight nine three. Who do you want? Who's your next head coach? What how? Show me how the grass is greener, please. I don't know. That's what's more aggravating to me than anything. Honest to God, is, is the is the it's on D'Antonio. Get, get like run him out of town. Lock the gates. I don't want him in East Lansing anymore. I agree. I you you said it the best that anyone could have said it right there. I it's a, it's a simple fact, and I get it. Like I said, it falls on him for making that decision, but at the same time, like you said, find somebody better, find somebody better, and then people like this is what my thing is. This is what you paid for this entire time. D'Antonio has been here. It's been predicated on loyalty and trust. You know that's his philosophy, and I get it. At a certain point, maybe that trust runs out, but you've trusted this guy for years up to this point. For what, 109 wins up until this point? Yep. I don't know, man. I don't know. Michigan State falls to Arizona State 10 to 7 at Spartan Stadium yesterday. Uh, we will wrap up the football talk here and head to a quick break. On the other side of this break, Matt Holtz will join us from the Michigan State lacrosse team. Excited to have him. Uh, if you want to join the show, tweet us at WDBM Sports, hashtag GW Report. Call us at 517-432-3893 or text us at 517-884-8989. You are listening to the Green and White Report. Impact 89 FM. Bringing you sports updates this Sunday and every Sunday. This is the Impact Sports Update. Michigan State football hosted Arizona State last night in East Lansing. Although Brian Lewerke threw for 291 yards, completing 24 out of his 38 attempts, the Spartans fell to the Sun Devils 10-7. Matt Coughlin had a tough night on the field, missing all three of his field goal attempts on the evening. Michigan State Volleyball hosts North Carolina today at Jenison Fieldhouse. Coming off a sweep against in-state rival Oakland, the Spartans look to continue their positive momentum against the Tar Heels. Game starts at 1 p.m. I'm Ika Arcudo for your Impact Sports Update. For more, visit impact89fm.org sports. Welcome back to the Green and White Report. Ryan Rabinowitz, Julian Mitchell here with you. Um, some exciting stuff, Julian. We're picking it up I've been now, excited for now this that we're all done, day. Now that we're done talking about football, uh, we are joined by new Michigan State men's lacrosse coach, Matt Holtz. Coach, thanks for joining us today. Thanks for having me. I know you're battling the laryngitis, so we will, uh, we'll, we'll try to help you out here a little bit. <laughs> thanks, I appreciate it. Uh, so you've been a Spartan for a long time. Uh, student here, head lacrosse coach for a couple years, took some time away and... 
and uh, went elsewhere, and then you're back here. What's it like to be back? Uh, I'm super excited. I'm thrilled uh, to be back. This is my home. Um, you know, I'm a Spartan. My parents are Spartans. My wife is a Spartan. So it's uh, it's great to be back home. Yeah, and like you just said, your wife is a Spartan, a professor of the College of Communication Arts and Sciences. How awesome is it to finally have the whole family back together here in East Lansing? Well, it's been it's going to be fun. I think um, we're 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 excited to to kind of take this new adventure and and see where it goes from here. Um, but uh, yeah, I, I'm I'm thrilled. Now you had a couple stops after uh, coaching here for a couple years. Was it always kind of like in your plans to maybe come back? Did you always want to end up back here? I, I honestly hadn't thought about it for a while. Um, you know, I was I was coaching full time. Um, you know, at Detroit Mercy, which is a Division One program, uh, and then I tried to keep that going at a Division Three school a little bit later. Um, but so, so coming back, just kind of the opportunity, uh, you know, popped up and I said, Hey, why not? Let's try this. Let's see yeah. if we can do this. Yeah. And talking a little bit about a few of your stops at Troy Mercy for a couple, for some years there, uh, head coach, of the women's lacrosse team at Oakland's high school. Then most recently Olivet university. what did you kind of learn at each of those stops before coming here that you hope to bring to this program? Well, I, I got to work with a bunch of great assistant coaches and I got to uh, meet a bunch of great coaches from other schools and learn a lot from them. Um, I think that, that, where I'm at right now in my coaching career is, is very different than when the last time I was here. Um, you know, it's been about 12 or 13 years, I think. And um, I've learned a lot um, through good things and bad things, winning and losing. You know, you kind of lose more, learn more from losing than you do from winning. So, uh, yeah, just kind of keep moving on forward. So seven years over at Detroit Mercy, um, I think, you know, you've been accredited with taking that school, being a D1 program, and really making that a, a lacrosse powerhouse. What was that process like? I mean, you were there for, like I said, seven years. So, I mean, you know, from, from start to finish, what was it like kind of seeing you mold that team and what you ended up leaving the product like when you left? Well, I mean, it was it was definitely a learning process. Uh, you know, I, I, I went from coaching a club team that was relatively successful to coaching in the highest level that you, that you can in the sport. And, uh, you know, I had a lot to learn and the, the fright there was, the good thing was there were a lot of people that were willing to help a lot of coaches from right. around the country. Um, you know, the coach at Virginia the coach at North Carolina and the coach at Ohio state, they all were very, very helpful mentoring me, kind of leading me along. Um, but I learned how to look for players, how to identify talent, um, how to, how to develop players. So it's, it's been a, it's been a learning process, but I'm, I'm excited to be back here in East Lansing. Yeah, I think that's definitely the biggest thing when you look at your tenure there at Detroit Mercy. Just to, to give you some of your props and list your accolades there at UDM, 17 all-conference honors for players, five conference all-rookie team honors, three long-stick midfielders of the year awards, two rookie of the years, and a defensive player of the year, not to mention recruiting and then developing the all-time leader in cost turnovers, leader in saves and save percentages in 2014, and the list goes on. And for you, when you look at the guys that you recruited and were able to develop, Kind of what did you learn there in picking out players? What do you kind of look for in them? And then how do you go about develop, developing them and taking them from the ground and lifting them up? Well, first and foremost, you look for athletes. Um, that's that's the most important thing. They got, kids got to be athletic at this level. And at, at any level, the, the more athletic you are, the better you're going to be. Uh, um, and then, you know, just every day focusing on getting better, just a little bit better every day. That's one of our, our, our core tenets of the program is just, just try to get a little bit better every day. Um, you don't have to be perfect every day. You don't have to be... Uh, spot on every day. You're not, no one's going to be, you're going to make mistakes. You're going to have bad days and good days, but just every day focusing on getting a little bit better. Now back to Michigan state. Now I'm sure that you've kept your eye on the program a bit as you've, as you've been elsewhere. Um, a, a lot of progress moving forward for the team, including a national championship win. So what have you liked about how you've seen the program move forward since your time here? I have been absolutely amazed at um, 
how much they they've got it together over there over here you know we yeah uh, they're they're really incredibly organized um the amount of work that i have to do off the field is very limited they do a wonderful job of keeping all of that stuff uh in in house and having they have a, they have a great board that leads the leads the program and does a lot of the you know the outside stuff that you don't think about that you have to do with the fundraising and the the travel plans and all that sort of stuff they handle all that which makes my life a lot easier that's great. And coach, we, we got to ask the, the question here. We saw the tweet from you yesterday to, to quote it here. Excited to get to work next week with this group. Anything less than a national championship will be a disappointment. And we got to ask you, look at this roster so far, still very early. But what gives you the confidence to come out and say that this is, this is a national championship on the horizon? Well, I, I spent I did spend some time watching the, this program in the past. And I, and I know I, I did watch the national championship game online. And um, I see the talent that that was there. And and what we have this year is special. It's something a little. It's it's just you know we're returning eighty percent of our offense, um, a, a number of starters on defense. We've got solid goalkeepers and solid faceoff men. So um, you know there there's a lot to work with. And I think you know bringing in the experience of that I've had and, and and some of the stuff that I've learned over the past twelve years since I've been gone. I think anything less than a national championship is going to be a disappointment. Um, we we I really think we can hang with anybody in the country. Now, as Julian said, you guys just wrapped up tryouts recently. Uh, coming in, you know, back to Michigan State, how do you kind of, you know, look to build your team? What was your philosophy coming in as far as how you wanted to put this all together? Of course, you're, you are, like you said, returning 80% of the offense, but you do lose a couple key players uh, from last year. So what was what was your mindset coming in as far as what you were looking for and how you wanted to build your version of this Michigan State team? Well, we were, we were looking to bring in about 10 or 11 uh, new players. And, um, you know, I think of the... Of the new players, four or five really stuck out, and they stood out as they were quality players that were very talented. And then after that, we really kind of just looked for the best athletes we could, we had. Um, so you know, we did some speed testing, some agility testing, just to kind of see where they are at. Uh, but I'm excited for our freshman class. We got some pretty good players, but I really think that the strength of this team is going to be in the seniors. And then kind of going with that. Coming into East Lansing, obviously you said you return a lot of the roster, so some of these aren't the players that you've seen before, that you've coached before. How do you kind of work as a new coach to work with those guys who have kind of been under different coaches and now have to work with you? Well, I mean, first of all, you got to get to know them. Um, I, I, I probably know about three guys' names uh, by face. Uh, you know, i got to learn everybody, meet everybody, and, and get to know everybody. It's, it's 45 guys that we're working with, so, you know, I kind of got to really just get to know them first. And then... You know, you've got to figure out what your team is. You got to figure out what your strengths are. You got to figure out what your weaknesses are, and and play to your strengths and kind of downplay your weaknesses and really try to uh, to focus on that. And I think that the the strength being in the seniors is is a big is a big reason why I have the confidence that we can win a national championship. Because uh, you know, when you're young, it's difficult. But the seniors, they're they're there. They're organized. They know what they want to do. They know how they, how to get there. Um, and I, I've seen it already. We've started writing some some drills in in tryouts even where they're taking over and, and, and leading the, the program in the right direction. So I'm uh, pretty thrilled to have them. Not that I want you to give away any kind of secret sauce, but I'm just curious as the one you come into this program, you know, what's, what's kind of your philosophy or mindset or when, you know, when you get the team together for the first time, what are you trying to enforce on them? Like, look, these are my expectations. This is how I want the program to run. And, you know, this is, this is what we're going to pride ourselves on for the rest of the year. Well, at the end of the day, lacrosse is a pretty simple sport. You got to keep the ball out of your, out of your net, and you got to put it in the other net. Um, so, uh, how you do that is, you know, it's not necessarily secret sauce. Um, I'm going to take a lot of the stuff that I used at Detroit to be successful. We're going to be incredibly aggressive on defense. We're going to come out after you, and we're going to try to 
to beat you up a little bit. We're gonna be we're gonna be violent and we're gonna be angry and we're gonna be you know within the rules, but we're gonna we're gonna come after you. And then on offense, you just got to control the ball. If you have the ball, they can't score. So um, we will be slow on offense and, and aggressive on defense. And then that's kind of my philosophy has been for the past twelve years. We love it. We love it. And coach, one thing going through your resume that I wanted to ask you about, and one of the things that gets talked about within sports is that lacrosse is one of the fastest growing sports in the country. It continues to be. And in your career, obviously, you had a chance to go to Oakman's High School, work with the women's lacrosse team there. And I kind of want to ask, it's not necessarily the the ground level of youth sports, but you did kind of get, get to see bunch of younger girls come in and learn how to play lacrosse and play lacrosse at that level and so for you getting to see it there what are you kind of seeing as far as lacrosse growing as a sport and then also the growth of women women's lacrosse well i have two young daughters so i'm excited at how much women's lacrosse is growing um i've it's it's definitely growing in michigan when i started playing in high school there were eight teams so we played the same seven teams every year uh twice each and and so now there's over a hundred and 20, I think. Um, so it's exciting to see that. I, it, the thing that's, that's developed recently is that now most of these programs, a lot of these, the, the, the programs that have been around for 15 or 20 years, they now have alumni that can come back and coach. And that's the advantage that some of the older programs like Catholic Central and Brother Rice in the Detroit area, you know, they, they've been led by alumni for years and years and years and years. Now, you know, a school like Okemos has, can have an alumnus come back and, and coach for them. Uh, and that, that is, you know, you always have a little bit more skin in the game when it's your school and when you believe in it, just like, just like here at Michigan State. Uh, you know, when you when you see that developing and now there's a whole generation of, of coaches, that's that's an exciting time. Now, as far as the Michigan State lacrosse program goes, obviously a, a program that's had much success in the last handful of years, especially uh, we, we talked to a couple players last year and we always like to ask, you know, what what kind of things do you like to do or, or how are you trying to get more recognition from, you know, the school and the student? Because, again, it is it is a, a very successful program. And I think the fact that, you know, it, it's still a club program. I mean, it, is one of your goals maybe to make the push to go D1? I know it's it's a lot easier said than done because there's a lot of moving parts. Um, you know, but what what is your mindset long term as far as trying to get the program some more recognition from student body, from the school in general, and, and really progressing it forward to that next level? Well, uh, as much as I hate to admit it, I have a good friend that uh, coached at that school down the road a little ways. And <laughs> he, he was able to do that. Uh, he and I have known each other for dozens of years. And, um, you know, he and I, I, I pick his brain about what we can do. Uh, to get the program going. And that's definitely the 10-year plan. Mm-hmm. The 10-year plan is to have a Division One program here at Michigan State. Whether I'm running it or not, I, I think that's the goal. And it starts with it starts with fundraising. And yep. it's something that we're going to have to really focus on. And, 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 you know, the program has a pretty decent endowment as far as club teams go. We do pretty well with that, but we really need to kind of multiply that by 10. Um, and, and the funding is the most important thing. And the second most important thing is having an administration that's willing. Mm-hmm. Um, so if, if the administration's not willing and the funding's not there, and none of this could happen. What we can control is the is the fundraising, and that's where we're going to go reach out to our alumni. We have, you know, Michigan State was a Division One program back yeah. back in the day. Um, we have a lot of alumni, and we want to reach out to them. We have a lot of families, um, and and there's some people that have done well for themselves, and we want to kind of reach out and, and make sure that they know that they can give back to the program. With the goal being ultimately. In, you know, in the next 10 years or so to have it become a division one program. Uh, I have friends inside the athletic department too. I've been around Michigan state for, you know, for long, long time. Right. And, um, you know, I, I have a, a good friend who's an associate athletic director and um, he kind of gives me insights. And I, I don't think right now is the right time. It's definitely not the right time mm-hmm. um, with, with a lot of the stuff going on around campus and, right. and the financial woes that may come from various things. But um, you know, in, in eventually that's, that's the plan is to get it back to division one status. 
That's great. And coach, we can we can go a little bit from lacrosse and ask you some more fun questions now. And obviously we talked about you being a Spartan yourself. We talked a little bit about it when you first walked in here, but I'm sure you caught the game yesterday. We want to get your thoughts <laughs> on the game that took place. Uh, you know, um, uh, it was frustrating. It was frustrating to watch it. Like, just a great defense uh, and just couldn't do anything on the other side of the ball. It was, uh, yeah, I don't know. I, I think we're, we're missing some playmakers. I think the offensive line is way too banged up for, yeah. for where I like to be. I think that's, mm-hmm. you know, you've got three or four guys that are out there and uh, Chewin's being gone is a big loss. So, um, you know, I think we, we've got to get that offensive line figured out. Yeah, I could tell from the look on your face. He's just he's a, <laughs> yeah. just a Spartan at heart that was also very pained to, to watch the game yesterday. Um, so as far as your time here at Michigan State, just because we love to ask the fun questions, can you give us some insight as to like where you lived when you were here as a freshman, like what your favorite spots were on campus? Uh, my freshman year, I lived in Bailey Hall um, over in Brody Complex. And then I lived in Wonders my sophomore year. I lived in apartments after that. Um, I actually lived here in Holden Hall, um, my, right. what I call wow. my second senior year. Um, my, my, my ninth semester. So I, it took me four and a half years to graduate. Um, like some people, it takes that long, I guess. Uh, and, uh, I lived in here in this building. It was, it was an interesting time because, uh, my RA was a sophomore and he was the only one, the only other person on the floor that wasn't a freshman. <laughs> so, uh, I was a little bit older and I didn't really hang out with my, <laughs> with my floor mates all that much, I guess you would say. So, yeah, I worked over at what used to be called the physical plant. Now I'm not sure what it's called now. And that was, that was my job uh, here on campus and loved basketball, yep. um, had basketball season tickets, loved football, had football season tickets. So that's awesome. That's great. And one of the things you, you majored in electrical engineering and then computer engineering. So I got to ask, how did you get into coaching? Was that always kind of maybe the plan to go into coaching at some point or what, what was the path there? So I I was working a job at an internet company here, used to be over in the, the, the colorful blue building over on, on Hagedorn. And I was driving home one day and I saw these, like what was ultimately the club team um, playing. And I just pulled over and I'm like, hey, what's going on here? I want to I wanna help out. Um, so I spent about seven years then just helping out the club team as a, as a, a volunteer assistant coach. And then um, – I was kind of the lead assistant coach when when the, the, the that coach the head coach then left and uh, they offered me the position and it was something where I was always it was always on the side mm-hmm. um, and then when the opportunity came to coach full time at Detroit I you know kind of threw my name in the ring and they they picked me they turned out they wanted someone that was local had local experience so uh, that was a lot of fun um, where I'm at right now in life though this is this is a good spot for me to be um, I have another full time job um, working over at a company called Liquid Web. And um, doing my computer stuff and uh, coaching is just something that's in me now. It's it's in, it's in my blood. I I've kind of got to do it, um, and I, I go crazy. I think in the spring when I don't have a team. <laughs> yeah. so. Have you seen a lot of changes since since being here? Just you know, aside from the lacrosse thing, but just for like from the university, like buildings and just the culture. And how's it changed since your time here as a student? Uh, well, I mean, there's the 1855 place is one of the most striking. Oh, yeah. the whole, all <laughs> yeah. downtown now with. Sky rises, you know, huge buildings downtown. That's yeah. different. Um, now, I didn't. I only left the area for four years. I was only gone. We lived, I commuted to Detroit, believe it or not, for a couple of years, and then we were we were in the Detroit area for four years. But we've been basically lived here. Um, so it's been kind of watching that all develop, and then you know, I live up in the the Chandler Crossing area in a neighborhood back there, watching the, that whole area grow up. It's been it's been crazy to watch this. this the town is just way bigger than I remember it. So. <laughs> 
That's great. And then, obviously, you're a big sports fan, said you had season tickets to both sports. What's your favorite MSU sports memory? And then maybe if you got a favorite player, too, during your uh, your time here and then afterwards that you've seen. Uh, let's see. I think my favorite, um, I, I went to uh, I went to a, a Michigan State football game at uh, the big house in Ann Arbor, and we won. And um, I was literally sitting next to the University of Michigan's lacrosse coach. <laughs> um, and that was that was a lot of fun. Um, and then, uh, my favorite player, I don't know, I think Tink Lees, um, he, he was, uh, an exciting player to watch. He was, it was fun to see him lead that program and how, you know, he was a talented player, but he was not a superstar talented player, mm -hmm. but just the leadership that he brought, you know, it was just kind of like, wow, I'm, I'm pretty excited to see what this, what this basketball team this year does. But, uh, yeah, he was probably my favorite player. That's awesome. Well, Coach, I'll tell you what, we appreciate you coming in today. Most people just call us. That was yeah. awesome. That was awesome that you showed up here today. That was super cool to have you in here. Um, but seriously, thank you for your time. This Absolutely. was awesome having you. Uh, we love the lacrosse team here. Ian does a great job of covering the lacrosse team. So uh, hopefully we'll be talking to you very soon, and we'll be following you guys all year. We really appreciate it. Thank you. All right, that was Coach Matt Holtz. We're going to take a quick break here. Uh, don't tune out, folks. we got a lot more to do. Another hour of the Green and White Report. Stick with us. We'll see you soon. WDBM East Lansing, The Impact. Bringing you sports updates this Sunday and every Sunday. This is The Impact Sports Update. NFL is back for good. Week one was horrendous for the Detroit Lions as they tied the Arizona Cardinals 27 all. The Lions look for their first victory in their home opener against the L.A. Chargers. Kickoff is scheduled for 1 p.m. on CBS. In somewhat positive news, the Detroit Tigers defeated the Baltimore Orioles 8-4 last night. The Tigers ran through eight pitchers for the evening, including starter Daniel Norris, who only pitched three innings. The Tigers play game two of their three-game series today at 1.10 p.m. You can catch the game on Fox Sports Detroit. I'm Ed Caracudo for your Impact Sports Update. For more, visit impact89fm.org slash sports. Welcome back to the Green and White Report. Our number two here of the Green and White Report brought to you by Impact 89 FM WDBM East Lansing. Wow. Way to smash that legal. Smashed it. Oh, it was a little, little too early though. It's not 12 yet. Well, <laughs> That's okay. It's fine. It's cool. I feel like it counts. Close, close enough. enough. Whatever. Hour number two here-ish, kind of, five minutes away. Uh, Ian Gilmore is with us to talk some soccer. Thanks for being patient, Ian. Yeah, of course. I'm really glad we kind of like split it up, too, because I don't want to talk about the football team and then keep it going on like the the down kind of trend with the <laughs> soccer team. So putting that little the coach in between, that was a really good move. Of yeah, course. we should probably should have thrown women's soccer in here because they, they've been playing well. Probably, be a lot probably, more probably the best, te the best the team, team on campus you got right now. That's okay, though, because the thing is, and now we get to, you know, next week we can talk about it. It's all positive That's true. Stuff. Then, yeah, next week we'll do some positive this stuff. This is going to be, well, it was, uh, Matt Holtz was great. That was great having Coach Fantastic. on. Fantastic. Um, so that was a big positive, but it's going to be a primarily negative show. Vibes are bad. <laughs> and I'll, I'll say, too, I hate to just, like, open the wound for you, Ian, because I know you don't want to talk <laughs> about it. Like, I got back from the game last night, didn't want to go out. I was like, no, everyone's like, let's go out, let's have a good time, like, whatever. Like, I'm like, no, I want to sit here and sulk. And, like, this morning was sad, too. It's like the Lions do that to me, too. Where, like, if the Lions lose, I wake up Monday morning and You're life just is dead. just miserable. Like, it's impossible to just, like, enjoy myself. 
Maybe that's a that might be a character flaw. I'm too invested. <laughs> Seriously, like I'm too I'm too emotionally invested in in these teams. Like it's all I have to live for. I don't for know. Almost. I think it means a lot that you're passionate about something and then you really feel for it. Thank you. You're it not could a be fake a double, fan. Double whammy this weekend though, because that MSU that's performance true. yesterday was very Lions esque. Yeah, I was uh the the I was with a buddy at the game, <laughs> and uh, he was uh, something happened in the game, and he turns around and he goes like S O S O L S O L. I was like, oh wait, sorry, <laughs> but it's like that's true. It's how I felt. It was like, and I hate to be S O L guy, but it was like how like Lions ask is this Michigan State football loss right now? But I don't know. Lions will uh, hopefully turn around for me today. All right, Ian, let's talk some soccer. I unfortunately, as you said. Uh, been a while since we talked soccer, but uh, to recap some games, uh, the the nil-nil, as they say in the industry, the nil-nil tie to SIUE, uh, tied with Florida Gulf Coast. They lost one nothing to Washington, losing 2-1 to one in overtime to Cornell. I was, I was following that one on Twitter. Not a big soccer guy, but I was following the tweets on that one. That one was crushing. That one hurt me. It hurt. Yeah, 100%. Uh, and yesterday, losing to Dartmouth on the road 2-1. Uh, 0-3-2, safe to say, not a tremendous start, especially following up the great year last year. Um, what's been going on, man? Help me out. Well, number one, you lose nine guys to graduation, right? Three get drafted, and you know, two are playing in the league right now. So number one, that doesn't help. Then, your two best players, Patrick Nielsen and Giuseppe Baroni, were, were all first-team All-Big Ten last year. They've played 45 minutes collectively, and it was Giuseppe Baroni for one half, and he hasn't come back since. So your two top guys really haven't played all year. And then, Cornell game, 45 seconds in. You lose Michael Watungu, a non-contact injury. He's your second-choice center back. They end this game with their third- and fifth-choice center backs playing center back. Then, <laughs> then <laughs> Alex Sternberg and Johnny Ferry both go out with possible concussions. Uh, you lose Will Perkins to a non-soccer injury. So you've got five or, five or six of your top guys, starters, not playing. And no, you can't really be expected to do much when your lineup is like that. And the losses, you hear those names like Florida Gulf Coast, Washington, Cornell. Those aren't, you know, they don't pop out to you as soccer powerhouses. But Washington's number eight, Florida Gulf Coast number 14. Cornell returned like 13 or 15 guys. So the the losses and the ties are there. But as a Michigan State team, you got to be winning those. Like, you're Michigan State. This is this is Big Ten. Um no, no matter what your lineup is, got to be winning those. Having said that, the injuries are just killing them, and that's exactly what it's been to start the season. And it, they've been close in all these games, right? Like these aren't like four nil beatings. Like they've been close in every game. They just need that spark, and that spark's name is Giuseppe Baroni, and he's been gone. So that that's what's really going on with them. So then I got to ask, you know, with the injuries, is Baroni is having him back? Is having Nielsen back? Will it be an immediate? fix to these problems or do you think it's still something that's still more long term I see I thought it was going to be an immediate fix and then Baroni played in the first half against Washington and he didn't influence the game as much as I thought he would I don't think he was 100% though so when they are both back at 100% and they get these guys these other guys the supporting role characters I think it'll be a pretty immediate fix Um, some of these games they're going through right now should have been their easier games uh, because once they hit Big Ten Maryland, Indiana, Michigan, those are all top 25 teams, mm-hmm. uh, and they're not really going to play any easy games going through Big Ten. So these are the games that they really needed to win, especially if they want to build a resume for the tournament again. Um, but when those guys do come back, Brony and Nielsen, I think it'll be an immediate fix. I, I, you know, I don't have a crystal ball that I can gaze into, but and if it's not, they're in big trouble. If it's not an immediate fix and those guys can't help out like, like you think they should, um, it, it's not going to be a pretty year. 
Now you you mentioned some of the losses the team has, just not even from an injury standpoint, but you know you graduate Ryan Sarakowski, Dewan Jones, who are guys that literally put the ball in the net for you every single game. Do you think when you come into this season with the expectations for this team, did you did you expect such an immediate drop off? Or did I mean again a team that went to the College Cup last year, uh, you'd expect there's at least some some turnover there as far as having some success. Did you foresee it being as bad as it is, or did, was this kind of expected? I mean, you lose some of your best players, and you know this is your team is what it is right now. I don't think the exact way it's gone has been expected, but you definitely can't expect them, you know, to go back to the Final Four. It it like. You know, nine guys are gone. You said Ryan Sierkowski and Dwan Jones. Dwan Jones is playing the MLS. Like he's played 18 games for the Revs. He's he's scored and he's assisted. Um, it, it was gonna be a sort of rebuilding year, but just the way it's gone, like they've been close in every game, but they haven't been able to produce going forward. I mean, three goals in their in their first five games, like that, just not good enough. And I know you lose your top two scorers. Like Sierkowski and Jones were always the guys that could create something out of just about nothing, and they were the ones that you know had eight, seven, seven, eight, nine goals. Both of them last year, and now they they've their top score from last year had like three. Put those guys aside, and and fr- I think the biggest thing is when you're looking up front, you look at Farai Mutatu now, and he's just he's just so used to playing with those guys, and he was allowed he was allowed to be a supporting character last year. Like they didn't need him to be scoring seven, eight, nine goals, but now when he's not playing with Sierkowski and Jones, and he's got to be the guy, he just hasn't been able to do it yet. I think it'll come with time because we've seen flashes from him, but um. He's just not getting it done right now, and that's what they need. Um, Baroni gone too. He just that spark in the midfield. Uh, they that that hasn't been there. Um, and but I mean, the way it's gone, I just think has been the most unexpected thing. Like I said, you can't you can't after that college cup run and they they graduate a ton of guys and the injuries. Uh, you, you couldn't have expected them to like you know come in guns blazing sure. start mm-hmm. the season nine zero and zero. But still, zero three and two against. The Dartmouth shouldn't Dartmouth game shouldn't have been a loss. Uh, SIUE really should have been uh, a W and Cornell. Uh, those three games you have to get three points from, especially early on in the season. Like I said, when you're trying to build that resume, because unless they go on a Cinderella run, they're not winning the Big Ten tournament. They're not beating Indiana or Maryland. Those are those are powerhouses. So trying to build this resume, it, it's not off to a good start, and and something has to change. Well, on a lighter note, and maybe trying to be on a more positive note, you look at this team and you look at some of the scores, it has just been one goal score games or two two uh two goals scored. And so there is at least some semblance of a defense of a goalkeeper that can stand up, and that obviously was a big hole to fill with Jimmy Haig, not in net anymore. So I want to ask you, look at this team, are there any positives, any anything you can glean from the players who kind of have and are forced to step up now? Is there anything you can see from some of them? Yeah, and I'd say as, as negative as I've I've sounded this morning, <laughs> there there are positives. Um, and the biggest one really has been Hunter Morse, the guy that's stepping in for Jimmy Haig. Um, and and those are huge shoes to fill. Jimmy Haig, one of the best, probably not yeah. the best, but one of the best keepers in MSU history. And Hunter Morse has come in and he looks exactly like Jimmy Haig did in his like senior year. Um, so Hunter Morse has been a machine so far. He had a, a career high seven saves against Washington, even though they lost. Um, Damon Rensing has even mentioned that, that Hunter Morse, the point he's at right now, he's farther along than Jimmy Haig was at that point. So that's going to be great for them going forward it, these next couple of years that they still have Hunter Morse for. And even this season, I mean, they haven't given up more than more than two goals in a game. and th- The defense has been pretty stout 
even considering that you know they're they're without Nielsen and now they're without Watungu and they they've had to plug in freshmen and and sophomores that haven't played at, at some of these spots. Um, so Hunter Morris, I think, has been the biggest bright spot behind him, a uh, freshman as well. Not as well, but a freshman has come in. His name's Ala Al-Gahim, and he's been one of the best players for MSU. He's kind of like a Giuseppe Baroni type. Uh, he's really creative in the midfield, and he's extremely shifty. Uh, really hard to tackle him, and he's he's been MSU's best player for stretches. Um, he scored his, his, his first goal of his collegiate career against Cornell um, after one of the prettiest passages of play from MSU this season. Uh, so I think Morse and then behind him, Al-Gahim, have been pretty bright, bright spots for the MSU team so far. No, oh, go ahead, Julian. No, go I'm ahead. sorry. I always step on your toes. No, but there's you always like it. one time a show where we both have a burning question and then it just comes out at the same time and it just, <laughs> it's just bad radio. That's okay. We move on. Ian, thank you, Julian, for allowing me to go. Of course. Of course. Uh, you're around the team a lot. Uh, Damon Rensing obviously had tremendous success with his team last year. I'm curious as to what his thought process is as far as what he's seen so far from his team and, and what he has to say about how his team's going to move forward from the slow start. Well, he keeps stressing that he really likes this group this year. Um, it, it's just going to be hard to move forward. Um, and he's he's been talking about just the inexperience uh, that this team has, and that's another reason that you know you can't expect him to do too much too quickly. Sure, because a lot of these guys haven't you know they haven't played yet, and if they have, it's been uh, short minutes in, in in games that have either been put away or or not that important. Um, but with with him, I think his whole mindset is just that they've got to learn. Uh, because of that inexperience, and it might not come right away, uh, and it's it's hard when they don't have the the leaders, you know, the nine seniors they did last year. Um, and moving forward, um, I think that the Big Ten, once the Big Ten play gets going, that's when they're gonna start uh, getting better because they should have those guys back by then. And Damon Rensing is one of the the best college coaches around. He's been to the Elite Eight or farther in four out of the last six years. So uh, I have confidence in him. Uh, I believe that he's gonna get this team on the right track. Um, in on the right track is is relative this year because once again college cup run, I don't think is in the picture this year, just because they they they're gonna have to rebuild. Um, but who knows? I didn't think they were getting in the tournament after the the way they finished the season last year, and then they get in and they they go almost all the way. So um, if you want any guy at the helm to try to fix this around, I think Damon Rensing is one of the one of the best guys you could have. And moving forward, a game against Western Michigan on September 20th. That's Friday at 7 p.m. at DeMartin Stadium, taking on Western Michigan. You look at that game, Spartans have not defended DeMartin so far this season. 0-2-2 at home, looking to pick up the first win there. What do you expect to see out of this game, and what would give Michigan State a chance to win at DeMartin? Well, Western Michigan, first of all, is a sneaky good team. They've got all all four of the last Mr. Soccers from Michigan. One who I was um, unfortunate enough to play against in oh. the playoffs. Took us out four nothing. We were down three 0 in the first ten minutes. Um, Mike, you hate to see. It. Can't say his last name. It's too. It's too difficult. I think it's <laughs> Melarodny Mel- or something like that. But so this Western Michigan team is is sneaky good. Um, and I think if they wanted to play MSU at any time, they would choose right now. Yeah. I think they're licking their chops coming into Demartin, and uh, I think that MSU should be kind of nervous going into this one. Um, not that that will be the right mindset for them to win this one, um, but. They've got to realize that Western Michigan is a good team. I think it'll be a good test for them, though. You said they haven't defended DeMartin, and that's something that's got to change. you got to win these home, ga- home games if you're going to try to turn this around and, and you know make a run uh, for the positive. Um, it's going to be interesting to see when when the guys that are injured come back and how Damon Rensing sets this team up. I think that's going to be really important is the, is the team selection, especially in this one. Um, 
defensively, they like I said, they've been stout even when they have when they've had guys in. I think that's going to be the key in this one is keeping Western Michigan out the back of the net and then trying just to make a couple things go for going forward. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if you see MSU bag a quick one in this one and then kind of park the bus and sit back quite a bit just so they can get something out of this game. Um, and, and like I said, Western Michigan, they're, they're coming in, and I think they're, they're going to be relishing the chance to, to take MSU down along with the other people that have so far this season. Now, before we let you go, uh, big picture here, because you said you, know, you don't foresee this team making a run in the Big Ten tournament. Obviously, you know, disappointing to not get back to the Final Four as they did last year. What do you think is a realistic goal for this team to set as far as where they finish this year? I think it, it's kind of difficult to say just because the only way they're getting into the tournament if they don't win the Big Ten tournament is if they you know go on a run of, of nine or ten wins in a row here because they can't lose too many more games if they want an at-large bid. So I think the realistic uh, prediction is they finish third, fourth in the Big Ten tournament or in the Big Ten uh, and then try to make something happen in the Big Ten tournament. But I don't see any reason why they couldn't win the, the tournament just because... Those are all just one-off games. Yes, they'll probably have to go through probably at least two out of the three, Indiana, Maryland, or Michigan, um, and they probably won't have home field advantage. But last year they had home field advantage, and it, it didn't work for them. They lost to Maryland, so who knows? Um, the way this team has been going this year, I, I really couldn't tell you what, what's going to happen. Um, they could you know, lose eight more games, or they could go on a stretch and, and win ten in a row. Um, but I think... This, this is kind of just a year where they have to gain experience for the young guys and try to finish just as high as they can in the Big Ten, which is unfortunate because uh, j- that's kind of wasting Giuseppe Brony's last mm-hmm. year. Um, it, Michael Watungu as well, he's a senior. Um, so that it's just kind of unfortunate for those guys that they, you know, their final year is might might be, and I want to stress that, might be wasted. Well, we'll keep an eye on the Michigan State men's soccer team for sure as the year goes on. Ian Gilmore, thank you for joining us, sir. Always, guys. Thanks for having me. Of course. We'll have more of Ian uh, later on in the year as we talk men's and women's Michigan State soccer. Also, yes, I do want to give the shout-out on air to Ian for helping us get Coach Matt Holtz on the show. He did did a lot of the heavy lifting on that side. Yeah, thank you. We're not very strong, so we're we're glad you could help (laughs) us out there. Uh, We're going to go to a quick break, folks. Uh, We have another hour left. We're uh, uh, 50 minutes. That's The math there works out pretty well. Uh, Stay tuned right here on the Green and White Report. We have NFL later in the show. On the other side of this break, the Sparty Awards are back. Stay tuned.
Welcome back to the Green and White Report. Now we're now we're now we're grooving. Now I'm happy. We needed this today. That was your that was your uh, song you request for the day. Was the was September? It was. That song will never get old. Never. There's so many. Never. There's also so many great instances to play that song. Like it's a good tailgate song. Like people get moving. That's true. True. You know, good song for you. You know, you and the boys are going out to the bar. Like you know, throw it on. Get get the get the blood flowing. Get the ju- yeah, get the juices flowing. That was good. We needed that today. We did. I feel good now. I feel good. Let's get. We can do some Sparty Awards. All right. We'll get into the Sparty Awards here. For those of you who are not aware of what the Sparty Awards are, I don't know what you've been doing living under a rock because it's the most popular thing Facts. on the airwaves these days. Factual. Uh, according to a source that I can't name because it doesn't exist. Uh, our topic this week, worst fantasy football guys. These are just the guys, like the telltale signs of guys that just stink like when you're playing fantasy football with. Like, don't be one of those guys. It's almost like a don't be that guy fantasy football guy. 100%. Uh, if you want to weigh in here, I will throw the number out, 517-432-3893. Text us at 517-884-8989 or tweet us at WDBM Sports. Hashtag GW Report. Hashtag is a tough word to say. Hashtag? Hashtag. 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 I don't know. Hash. I, maybe it's not as tough as I thought it was. Tag. Okay, Sparty Awards, worst fantasy football guys in the spirit of my fantasy football teams going one and two last week, uh, and it's the football season's here, so it's fantasy. Do you have a team this year? I do have a team this year. How are you looking? I, I, we lost the first game. Really? Yeah. Okay, so what's the your, people— What's your team name first— Yo, it's it's Team Mitchell. I don't pay enough attention to, to be out here that's throwing all, team it. names. You got a team name for me? Give me one. I'll throw it in there. I got a ton of them. Some of them aren't appropriate. My team name is the Stafford Infection. The Stafford. That's our fan. That's, that's our flag the, that's football our flag team, football team, team. Too, yeah. That's gonna be oh god. Oh, it's gonna be did, rocky. Got, hold on. Can we talk about that first? We haven't before we get in the Sparty Awards. Screw the Sparty Jeez. Awards for now. Uh, our fantasy football team, the Stafford Infection. We are debuting this Thursday. Their home opener. I don't know if we're the home team or not. We might have to do it. <laughs> I don't know if we're wearing whites or darks, whatever. Uh, Can we wear neon? Let's wear neon. No, we can't. (laughs) Um, uh, As as head coach and owner and GM and manager and starting quarterback, because no one else is, I wants to play quarterback. Yeah, you got to play QB. Yeah, that's how. That's just how I fell into the role. Uh, We will not be wearing neon, but uh, myself, Julian, Trent Bally, Ryan Collins, uh, a couple impactors that are making up the Stafford infection this year. So we'll see. We'll let you know. I don't know about. My expectations for this team are low just because, like, I don't think a lot of us have, like, played. Like, I played competitive football when I was younger, but I was, like, I, like, weighed as much as I do now, and I was a lineman. I was I was pretty pretty good at it. I always say if I were to kept playing football, I'd be at Alabama right now. You give me a nice J.J. Watt feel. Really? Yeah. I got I got my my first two to three steps are explosive. They are. They really are. Everyone, anyone that knows me knows that I got the quickest three steps in the league. You do. You do. I mean, I remember seeing you on the basketball court, and you just you know you explode past somebody, hit a nice little euro inside. You got it. Right. It's like like you look at me, you're like I don't think that guy's moving. Like Noah's not. He's flying. He's like that's, <laughs> I got. I'm good out of the good out of the gate, and then like once I have to like once I reach like comfortable like cruising altitude, then it just it's, well, you it's stop, slow. You stop. It's low, but we'll see. We should. That's a good. That's a good talking point for us now. To uh, that we have to do for the show now is we have to we have to recap we have to talk our games. about it. Yeah, it's like we do like MSU football, Stafford, Stafford infection, infection. football. But yeah, anyway, I, I don't. Want, I don't want the kids. The kids who are listening to know that I got my ankles broken in flight we'll, football. We'll inflate. We'll inflate I got our absolutely stats. wrecked. We'll inflate our stats. But sorry, continue with your fantasy football uh, ordeal. Yeah. Okay. So it's awful. The people in my league, they like started drafting kickers with the second overall pick. Somebody took a quarterback early. Somebody took Mahomes with like the fourth pick or something like that. So it got me rattled. 
to be honest. You know, I come in, I'm the guy with the strategy. I'm like, all right, I know who I'm drafting here. Right. We're going to wait to get the QB. So it messed me up. And I ended up some way, somehow, with Mitchell Trubisky and Marcus Mariota as my two quarterbacks. And started Trubisky, the first Thursday night game against the Packers. It was awful. Can I can I ask who your first overall pick was in your draft? For Saquon. You. Sa- oh, no. For you, did you have the number one pick? I had the number one pick. Really? It took Saquon? took Saquon. No took McCaffrey? Saquon. You didn't want to take a risk on McCaffrey? I, you know, I did not. Not not trusting in Carolina. Uh, Going to trust in Saquon. I think Saquon Saquon's best back in football. That's fair. I'll allow that. I will allow that. Okay. Well, let's jump into the Sparty Awards now. Uh, worst fantasy football, guys. I'll start, if you don't mind. Go ahead. Go ahead. You might have started last. I don't know. You started last week. But I'll start right now. Um... Auto pick guy. Don't be auto pick guy. I get it. Like things come up and, and, and not everyone can be in front of the computer. But if you if you draft your entire team on auto pick, I don't care. Like I don't care if you're setting like your queue or you're doing your own rankings. Like you spend hours doing your rankings. Whatever the draft is, like figure it out. Show up for your draft or or be on the computer. I don't understand it. I also don't I don't I don't like auto pick guy who's like once it's beyond round 6, I'm going to auto pick the rest of my team. Like I mm, only care yep. about like my first 6 to 8 rounds. Like what's the point? I I don't I, if you anyone in my league to, that were to auto pick, I'd have him kicked out immediately. <laughs> I I'm serious. It ruins the it ruins the fun of of the draft. It does. It does hurt it. It does hurt it. Like wow, that's cool. You just pick like six tight ends in a row cuz that's what your queue's lined up for. Like that's going to be a great year. Don't be auto pick guy. One of the worst, one of the worst fantasy football guys, in my opinion. That's a fact. That's a fact. Wow. I'm gonna okay. I'll go through mine, and then I'm gonna add it on. I'm gonna add on a one to that one, and I'm gonna go with a guy who takes way too long to draft. There's no need for you to use the full cock, full uh, full agreed. clock. Like that's just, that just shouldn't happen. But my first one is essentially it's the guy who doesn't care. He only joined the league because everyone was like, "Oh, we need one more to make it even." Yeah. He just joined up. He forgets to cha- make changes to his roster before games all the time. He doesn't check for trades because you're like, hey, I want the guy that you have. He doesn't look. He's like, oh, I didn't even know. Don't even have the app downloaded. Yep. Doesn't make moves on the waiver. Just doesn't make it interesting. Get that guy out of there. What are you doing here? That guy also turns into my team's not making the playoffs, so I'm done paying attention guy. Yep. That's not great. Don't be, don't be that guy either. I'm that guy. Hikaru, you're that guy? I seriously am that guy. I was the auto-pick guy because I didn't have time for the fantasy draft, and I'm also that guy that just stops paying attention. So Hikaru's 0 for 2 already. Yeah, this is, this being, is why I'm not in a fantasy football league with Hikaru. Of being, of being 100% that guy. Um, Oops, sorry. That's a good one. I, Julian, I'm going to I'm gonna build off of something that you said Go er- for it. earlier and when you were discussing your last uh, Sparty Award there. Using every second of the clock. I honestly didn't even see that was down there for you. I'm sorry. No, no, no. But I'm just like you. You touched on it briefly. I would like to expand on it. Yes, expand. Especially when you have like the first overall pick, and you've known you've had the first overall pick for like three months. Like, would you please just select your player immediately? Like, let's move here. You have to. You have to know. You have to have some wherewithal. So that, uh, and I will say too, it's on the commissioner. Don't don't allow don't allow your uh your your, your league to have a minute and a half on the clock mm-hmm. or two minutes. Give them a minute, even thirty seconds. I would say, don't use every second of the clock. That's a fact. All right, my next one: the tryhard guy, the guy who's sitting over there. He has all the rankings pulled out for his draft. He's checking every week to know what waiver moves he's gonna make. He's asking you for complicated trades that you're like, dude, I don't even know half the players you're trying to send me. He's like, can I give you a draft pick for next year? He's thinking about dynasty down the line. Like, no, this is all fun and games. 
I don't, I don't want to think about, hey, this league's going to continue for the next five years. Let's build a dynasty. My team's going to win. I hate it. I hate it. I think there's a fine line between try-hard guy and, like, guy that's, like, really involved in the league. Yeah. Like, I, I, I do appreciate that kind of stuff. Like, the dynasty stuff is cool. You think like, so? I'm, it's unique. Like, some people like doing the fantasy stuff, and they do it all year round. Like, it's – I – there is a certain line where it's like, okay, let's 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 hone it in here and get back to reality. But I don't know. Try hard guy is an interesting one. Not a fan of the try hard guy. That's okay. Whatever. Uh, my next guy, my next Sparty Award. Don't be that football guy, the fantasy football guy, forgets to set the lineup guy. I mean, this is like this is a, the biggest cliche of like, don't be that guy ever. But it's again, and it goes back to it's this whole it's this whole like cycle of. Like, I don't care. I'm not paying attention. I don't have the app. I'm not going to set my lineup because I, I don't have a shot mm-hmm. at the playoffs. Like, that guy's that guy's tough. It's just set, like, even if you're – and I, I will say there's a, there's a caveat to this. There's a caveat to this of the fact that, you you know, if you're, if you're going to set the lineup, you know, sometimes we put guys in that are questionable and then I'm don't playing or they're out. Like, it happens. But, like, set the lineup. For the, for the love of the Lord, set the lineup. I agree. I agree. You gotta if you're gonna be in a league, you at least gotta put in some effort. Set your lineup. Make sure you're all good. My next one, uh, the lucky guy, the yep. guy who comes in. He's he's auto picked these people on the draft, or he just picked a couple of guys that he knows doesn't even really know football, and then he wins on to wins the Super Bowl, and then he starts gloating about it. That just annoys me. Annoys me to no end. I will say too. Back to that point. The know nothing football guy that's like sneaky good. That's another one of my. I don't want to say don't be that guy because some people just like don't know stuff about football. Um, but I will say guys that know very little about fantasy football and their teams are like ten and three, like going into the playoffs, is ridiculous. Yeah. It's the most frustrating thing because like I think I know football pretty well. I do my homework on fantasy football and my team struggle every year. I don't know if I don't know the last time I made the playoffs in fantasy football. Jeez. And that hurts. That's hurts rough. bad. That's it, rough. It cuts deep. What so, I hate is when you're lucky and then you start to pretend like you knew exactly what you were doing. Yeah. Like that's when it gets really bad is you like you had no clue about football and you're like, wow, that Saquon got my favorite player. Yeah. You, you see what I did? That I was smart him. draft moves. Yeah, love, I love him. him. I love number then you 20. Buy a jersey. I love the number like, 26. Get, get out of here. Yeah. That, so that no nothing football guy is, is another big one. Or like mine. you knew, oh, Sammy Watkins. I knew he was going to pop off. Sammy Watkins and Austin Eckler both on my bench last week. I still won, but Ooh. I would have probably had like 300 points if I would have played them both. So. Big, big yikes. Yeah. Sorry. Have I got another one? I think so. Oh, no. Right. You just gave yours. That's yeah, right. Come on. Oh, my bad. My bad. Uh, my guy, the hometown fan who picks Fair, all the yeah. players from his hometown favorite teams. Just it's awful. It's do not. I mean, it's like if Trent was to go on and just pick every single Detroit Lions player. Like if yeah. you don't leave my league, I, I will exile you. I, are, are we sure he hasn't done that? Did I'm not check, in a did league with Trent. Did someone check his team? I don't know. I, I took Stafford too, though. Like my last pick, he probably has. By the way, hi Kyle. Oh, oh, <laughs> sorry. Hey. I, well, Kyle Turk is here now. The, that mysterious voice that everyone loves. Oh hey, Kyle Turk is here. But I I don't know. Trent Trent is that guy, and I love Trent for that. But um. To, yeah, it, it's the I guys wanna, that pick like it, it's just not feasible, especially if you, it's, it's not. like a team like the Lions who like aren't really great. Like you're not going to help yourself at all with those picks. It's not good. I wonder what his team name is. Team name is. Do you think it's like One Pride or something like that? Yeah, probably. I love Matthew Stafford. I don't know. I like Matthew Stafford too. But song for another time. He's my, a good guy. My last Sparty Award here is going to go to ridiculous trade guy because I was a victim of this yesterday. I I notice a, a notification come across my phone that I have been. 
offered a trade. And I go look at it. I'm like, okay, this is interesting. Like after week one, guys are already looking to make some moves. Like I, you know, I in this league, particular league, I, I won last week. So I'm like, okay, like people are coming for the king. Like they want some of what I had to offer. Oh, the king. And I open up the trade and it's like, for, I would be giving away like DeAndre Hopkins, Julio Jones, I think I have like Josh Jacobs, like, like a, a pretty solid package of like four guys for like Aaron Rodgers and like Damian Williams from Kansas City. And I like I couldn't tell if I was, I was just like kidding because sometimes I'll get like obnoxious trades like, oh, yeah, give me, uh, you know, give give me uh, Julio Jones for like my my backup kicker. Like, oh, ha ha. Hilarious. Like, you know, thanks for keeping things interesting. But I genuinely think this is like a real trade that someone thought I would consider. And I couldn't believe it. Like, don't be that guy. It's like, ridiculous. No one, has, no one has time for that kind of stuff. It's just disrespectful to me. Who do you think I am? Phil Jackson? Seriously. Think I'm the Brooklyn Nets going to take Kevin Garnett, Paul Pierce when they're like 80 years old Seriously. and give you everything? I have a I have a counter, not a counter necessarily, but I have a a, a slight adjustment to this uh, award. The counter offer guy. <laughs> Let me. Oh, you didn't you didn't like this trade I offered? Oh, you don't like this one? Okay, what about this one? Yeah. Oh, you didn't like that option? It would have been uh, if yes. if he took away one of the players on that side it, yeah, of the trade. Exactly. We're gonna. <laughs> he said, well, hey, yes. well, are you sure? Maybe maybe just this one. Okay. Oh, you, you didn't want that one either. Yes. If I take Julio out now, you'll want it. I agree. That's a good point. That, is that a good happens point. too. That guy's an obnoxious. You get thirty email notifications because he's just reworking the trade the, and then and then he's trying to reason with you like, yeah like oh well i mean this guy's your best receiver but this guy is my best receiver well yeah. i mean what's what's the issue it here? benefits it benefits both, both of us, of us. <laughs> we both get better exactly because yeah, that's, that's possible negotiations aren't great yeah all right julian aren't your great. last sparty award for the worst fantasy football game. my last one and this one hits close to home with the, the most recent draft the guy who picks a kicker second overall or takes a qb like get out of here! I bro. don't believe no one. T- who took a kicker second dude, overall? Dude. Oh no! I believe wait, you. Don't wait, need to pull wait, it up. I'm like gonna it, pull it up. I don't know the guy. Like it happened. He picked up his phone like it happened. Yeah. yeah. So you better show me something here. I I'm gonna find it. I'm oh, gonna find no. it. Pick the, pick the whole kicker, bro. Whole kicker. A Threw whole me kicker? off. Wait, I was shook. Well, was it? Even, was was it even a good kicker? I don't even think it was to be honest. Because that's I don't know if that's worse or not. Does this guy like not care? Or is he just like you think he had like some? I mean, there's no way he actually cares about his team being successful. It's a weird thing with with kickers and defenses because obviously the conventional wisdom that no one ever seems to follow is pick those two last. Yeah, but yeah. It, but you always know there's at least one or two games in a season where either one of those positions doing something will win you a game single handedly. Yes, exactly. And I'm not I, one to talk about my fantasy teams, <laughs> but I had the same combination for at least one or two of my teams of the Charger defense, Matt uh, Bryant kicker for the Atlanta Falcons. Uh, at the kicker spot, and one of them didn't even try a field goal. I think yeah. in the entire entire last week. That's that sucks. I, I I agree that that conventional wisdom is so spot on. I've now I've adapted or adopted the uh, the new policy of I don't draft quarterbacks until like my entire roster is full to the point. I mean. Because like if you're in a ten man league, you're you're gonna get a top ten. You mean quarterback, you mean your starting lineup, right? My starting line. I draft yeah. my, my entire starters first, not excluding defense kicker. I'll take a couple bench guys like receiver, running back, and then I go, end. yeah, tight end will have been there too. And then I go quarterback, and then uh, you get like, I don't know, Carson, somebody decent. Carson Wentz is still you're there, like guy. Jared yeah. Goff's still there, so that's mine. But I, that really, Lamar Jackson overall. was probably there at the end of yep, plenty a, of On my bench last teams. week? Yep. No. Uh, yes, absolutely. Yeah, what are you doing? What, your bench you probably still won, your, though. Your, your bench, I outscored, well, I your bench outscored your starting lineup. I won the the one game that I won. I had Sammy Watkins and Eckler on the bench. 
and I, I won that game. I would have it would have been like a massacre if they would have played. But the you other, squeaked it out. The other the other league that I lost in one of them. Uh, I I'm just notorious for playing the team that gets most points every single week. Again, I can't. Ah, I can't. Unlucky. I can't fault my my team for that. Like they tried hard. The other league, yeah, I had Lamar Jackson on the back. If I had, if Lamar Jackson would have played, I would have won. But how was I supposed to know? I thought he was a running back. Can I actually disrespectful off of that off of that conversation? Can I add my own Sparty Award? Yes. Can I do? Can I do that? Uh, Kyle Turk guest special Sparty Award. Yes. Well, the. Guy who has the highest points against in the league, <laughs> or the guy that has a low points against and decides, oh, I'm I'm a ten and two team because every team that I played had a bad week and scored fifty points against me. Yeah, yeah, that's a good one. That that is that's that's very. True. And, 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 <laughs> that's then, very and then much like Julian, and then much like Julian said earlier, he he says, oh, well, I'm great. I did this. This is my doing. Yeah, yeah. I I hate the people who start goading about oh. I knew exactly. I should be a GM of a team. Like, no, bro, you got lucky. You mean you got a few good. You picked a guy that had one more catch than another guy. Yeah. In the in the end, unless you're playing for thousands and thousands of dollars, this all means nothing. Right. My twenty dollar buy in league doesn't all mean that much. It'd be nice to have the twenty dollars back. (laughs) You say it would be nice to probably have the money helping you win that league. Yeah, that's fair. It would help. Okay, that's our Sparty Awards. Yeet. That was good. I like that. That's a pretty good topic. That is eventually. Good. I think we're going to run into a problem of like not having good topics to talk about. I think we like, got it though. I think there's there's a lot of things that you can give out awards and rank, quote unquote. Like yeah. we can we can do this forever. Yeah, the Mount we, Rush, we then the we can start Rush branching out from like big hashtag sports. content, guys. We yes. can do all kinds of other stuff. Exactly, food, food, watermelon. Oh, best best spots to eat in East Lansing. The, the Sparty Awards Boom. for best Sparty. Ooh. That's a good one. It's definitely the super, super duper tan one. Sparty, from like a couple years ago, looked a lot like Donald Trump. I saw, yeah, I what? saw they were doing a video. They were doing a, <laughs> straight orange, bro. They were I doing a video on the scoreboard at the game really? yesterday. Of like, they had all the former, yeah, all the former Spartys it's been, that were it's there. It's been thirty, 30 years. yeah, thirty years of Sparty. You know what I do want to rank? Favorite Zeeks. Well. Oh. Zeke. I, think oh, I don't even know. What, I don't even know what four. Zeke we're on. Like, Are we on four? I thought that was. I thought four. I, hey, this is this I is not a scientific nine. answer. <laughs> I told an Arizona an Arizona State fan yesterday that, that we have had like nine. I was like, I don't know. We've had anywhere from like five to nine Zeeks. Also, at this point in dog culture, how long until Zeke replaces Sparty as the MSU mascot? That's true. That's fair. What Do- I don't get though, dogs about are the, on the come up about the whole no thing is like people love dogs. Yeah, everyone's just okay with us. Like. Pretty much repurposing another Zeke to be like. Oh, oh, I don't mean to be a hot take guy, but I'm pretty sure next pe- man up. People next around. Man. <laughs> I'm pretty sure people around this station. When I was here last year, we made made mention of Zeke gets mistreated. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna sit there and slander people on the radio, but I'm. I think I've actually. I think I've actually heard that they. I mean, they have to keep Zeke in line. Yeah, that's he wasn't. I'll tell you too. I'm not being a hot take guy. No, I. I believe you, and it's unfortunate that's the way society works these days. If we put all this pressure on this poor Labrador Retriever, whatever he is. Um, yesterday at the game, he was not great. Zeke. Really, really bad actually to start, and then they gave Sparty the frisbee, and he was lights out. So I, there's got to be some kind of stat out there. There's, of a, like, there's a parallel to that. To yeah, the game, of like of like what Zeke's like Zeke's catching percentage with the frisbee versus like how Michigan State performs. Like if he's above fifty mm. percent catching rate, like Michigan State's like thirty eight no like all time or something like that. Like there's got to be some stat out there. Is he better than Cody White? Yeah, he, uh-huh. yeah. That's that's you know, Twitter, <laughs> Twitter guy <laughs> with the gif. Can we yeah. get the, can we get the Kawhi laugh to drop? That sounds like a Tino Obarka tweet right there. Yeah. Well, that's some Tino would tweet. 
I'm expecting to see. I'm expecting to see that on the timeline fairly soon. Also, I did get an update on the kicker. It was Greg the leg. Zerline, uh, yes, Greg the leg. Rams kicker, yeah. lots of points. Uh, it's just not. It's it, it, it doesn't I mean, make it better. It, 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 it's, it's still, <laughs> it like, hurts. Did, was he proud of himself? He was proud of himself. Ooh. I mean, that guy don't. That guy shouldn't be allowed in the league next year. I'm just saying. I'm saying like, that. Like, honestly. Well, it's close. That wasn't song. a Kawhi laugh. That was a little bit of a Mountain of the Sun from Greta Van Fleet. I do oh. appreciate him playing that. Well, of course, he, of course, you would, of all people. I love Greta Van Fleet. Yes, right. I don't really know who they are, but so we got music playing. Okay, um, we're gonna roll here. As you were talking about Cody White here a little bit, I did appreciate that because now we can roll into our Michigan State football part two, which is why we wanted Kyle here today with us. First of all, let's take a step back, Kyle. Welcome back. Oh man, you know I never really actually gave an official goodbye. That's true. So so it kind of so it kind of opened the door for me to be here uh, today. You you may never leave now. There's right. no reason to leave now. Um, so update us on your life as you are now a Michigan State alumni or alumnus, whatever the word is. I'm not sure. Give us give us an update on on, on all things Kyle Turk. Very good uh, start to life over in Grand Haven, uh, over at the Grand Haven Tribune, uh, over there. Been there for. Since the start of August, I want to say it's good that I remember that. And no, I've enjoyed it. It's uh, it's a different, it's a different life. Yeah, having no having no homework to come to on a given night. <laughs> oh, it must be so nice. So nice. I I, I sit there and you know to t- chat with you guys, chat with people that are still here, and it's like, hey, my life's one hundred percent different <laughs> than it used to be. Exactly. But, but coming back here yesterday was uh, was a good time. That's great. Let's you just good. let's just say fun was had yesterday. <laughs> good. I'm glad fun was had. How is the uh, Grand Haven football team looking over there? Uh, well, they play in a very difficult conference. They play in the the fabled OK Ottawa Kent uh, Red Conference. They've got your Rockfords. They've got your Grandvilles. Your Hudsonvilles. Uh, they kind of took one on the chin against Hudsonville the other night. But uh, we cover a couple different schools over there. Uh, we've, we've recently made an adjustment to our coverage due to some changing deadlines. Okay. Uh, so it's very, very interesting out there, but I'm enjoying it. And who said, uh, who would have thought that a, a, a radio guy like me, his first job would be at a newspaper. Interesting. The, all the irony. Yeah. <laughs> if, if you will. That's okay. Great. Have you, have you become, you know, our, our favorite kind of beat reporters who bring the huge tripod? With their phone oh, into the oh. place—is that you yet? Are you there yet? I don't. I don't call every single person by their nickname, uh, <laughs> whether that be player or coach or whatever. I don't. I'm trying to think of. Uh, no, I don't have a monopod yet. I think that. I think that comes a little okay. bit of the way down the line. Are you standing in front of all the reporters with their cameras yet? Are you doing that too? Okay, when you say all the reporters, who do you? Who are I'm you talk, talking? I'm, t- about? I'm talking the broadcast reporter with the big cameras on their shoulders and then. <laughs> The Wait, little phones are in front. When, when you say broadcasters <laughs> at these games, <laughs> let me just say it's a, it's a different experience than covering a, a Power Five football team and basketball team. I'll, I'll give you that. You tell me, Grand Haven not not getting everybody out there? No, they get. Well, the thing is, winning is everything out there. So it's so it's one of those things where you just got to say, hey, now instead of getting everybody to answer our questions for us, all the professionals, that's kind of the job we yeah. get now. Now you've got to be the person asking ask questions, answering the questions. So, That's big time. Interesting to see. I do want to ask you. I haven't gotten a chance to read it yet, but uh, how was writing the feature about Ashley Slater? I saw you tweeted that out yesterday. What was that like? Pretty good. Uh, Grand Haven has a long history of good volleyball, and uh, they seem to be. I think they're state top ten, top. I think they're number eight in the most recent uh, Division One poll. So it's interesting. You know, I did not cover a single volleyball match while I was here at MSU, <laughs> and so now I get every single little bit, bit and piece of everything that I 
didn't want to do when I was uh, going through senior year here. Uh, she's an interesting girl. Uh, six foot two. She's a senior and she's turning 17 next month. So, uh, wow. so kind of interesting too. And, uh, she's committed to go play at Wake Forest. And I was kind of surprised. I'm like, you know, Kathy George would be right on right there. Yeah. Right in that battle. But, uh, she's going out to the ACC, but yeah, very interesting stuff. And I think that's the thing that I'm going to have to transition more to is, is doing those feature type stories because of, uh, we, our deadlines are now 6 PM. You didn't hear that from me, but 6 p.m. Now tell me what what high school sporting <laughs> event starts at 6 p.m. or finishes by 6 p.m. Rather, I don't know. Nothing. 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 You have a you have a point. All right. Nothing. Um, Shout out Grand Haven Tribune. Hey, I I love the newspaper industry. Good. Good. <laughs> Keep it alive. Keep the newspaper alive. Keep people reading. All um, right. We gotta hey, move on to yeah the we, sad we, stuff. We do want to get to the sad stuff. Um, we we are bringing you on here to preview Michigan State's next game against Northwestern, but I do want to get your thoughts on what you saw uh, yesterday against Arizona State. You guys covered a lot of it. Um, frankly, it's a matter of waiting for the other shoe to drop. I don't think this team is bad. I don't know what you guys think. Do you guys think this team is is good or bad or somewhere in between? I don't honestly know. I think you you made a good point. I don't want to steal your thunder, but before the show, you were when we asked you originally, like, what did you feel? You were like, you know, I I think people maybe had too high of expectations, and like maybe just something along the lines of like, are you really surprised as you as you mm-hmm. put it? Are you really surprised that this happened? Like we Julian and I said earlier, I think we're just waiting to have this conversation. I don't think it's a bad football team. I thought they would be better. The defense is great. And I, you know, you see Michigan State put up 51 points last week. And so you assume that they can follow suit this week, which they didn't. But I have to imagine some of that magic's still there. So maybe we'll see. But it's going to be very hard for them to be a 9-3 and team now. You have Ohio State, Michigan. You have to play Penn State at home. You have Wisconsin. There's, there's you know, Wisconsin Northwestern. looks good. And they do look they good. Do. They look they good. Do. Yes, They're going to beat Michigan next week. I like that. Thank you, because I, I was getting grilled from my U of M friends about a nice game yesterday. Like, oh, that's cool. You took Army to overtime, so I don't know what you guys are uh, Aiden, all Aiden, high and Aiden, all Aiden high mighty about. Yeah, Aiden Hutchinson was uh, was making fun of him on uh, on Twitter after the game, as as a Michigan player is wont to do. Of course, and, but, and as Michigan State fans always get knocked for caring too much about Michigan, and Michigan players and fans are always right in there when Michigan State loses. So, and so I, I just think it's all very funny when MSU is going to turn around and walk in Ann Arbor and do whatever Mark D'Antonio does against Michigan and probably keep that game close and win it yes. because just a, that's exactly. just how the, that's just how he works. I yes. think that's just how this team works. I don't know if this team is bad. I don't know if Arizona State is good because we just haven't played enough football yet. That's fair. That said, I think mm-hmm. pe- people might have got stars in their eyes after seeing a 5 at the beginning of a score for Michigan State and not see- and seeing that that wasn't the only number. It wasn't just 5. It was 51 <laughs> yeah. or 52. Mm-hmm. Right. So, let's see. I think Next week is even more of a litmus test than it already was. I know all summer we've been banging the drum about, well, Northwestern's a big game. Now it's even bigger. Yeah. Are you, uh, Are you? as far as the Mark D'Antonio thing, um, obviously we said a lot of conversation about he needs to go, whatever, he didn't make the right changes. Are, do you think it's a, an overreaction from fans that he needs to go, or do you think it's a, it's a serious consideration that we have to start talking about? Uh, wait till the end of the year okay. because one game does not a season make, and and obviously he mismanaged the end of that game because right. of I think worse than bringing well equally bad between the field goal kicking and the bringing guys on and off and whatever is the fact that you use multiple timeouts on defense mm-hmm. right with them in the red zone and it had a chance to score 
I get that if you're trying to stop the clock and give yourself more time to make a drive on the other end. But the one thing I don't get is going out and calling multiple timeouts when the clock was already stopped. Exactly. To get yeah, a better adjustment. 100%. I mean, hey, it, it didn't work out for him. If it worked and they made the goal line stand, we'd be sitting there, you know, oh, he got one, he got 110. Best coach of all time. Yeah. MSU legend. Well, I mean, he is already. Yeah. So it's like, imagine wanting him out 10 years ago with where this program's at now. So let's wait and see. I don't know how they'll do in Big Ten play. I think if they win this game against Northwestern, you've got some momentum and you can do a few different things. And you can still maybe go 9-3. and three. But a loss tomorrow or a loss next week is going to be pretty telling. Right. Uh, we can get into that Northwestern game now. Uh, you're all over college football. You always have been, especially since you were here at Impact. Uh, you're bringing an opponent like Northwestern. I, I think people have that sense of, like, again, it's the kryptonite Northwestern. It's, like, ridiculous how Northwestern beats Michigan State. It feels like all the time. Uh, from from their end in Northwestern, do you think they're as strong as a team they, this year as they were last year? I don't necessarily know that they've got the same quarterback because Thorson mm-hmm. was fairly solid and uh, Hunter Johnson – they brought in he's still starting for them and looks okay doesn't look anything crazy doesn't look like an nfl quarterback um put up a good number of points against unlv but unlv is unlv right so um they've got a tough schedule coming up as well they host msu next week and then they have to go to North wisconsin as well who will be pretty high coming off a michigan win <laughs> and uh frankly with where i'm at with michigan state's chances they got to go on the road and take care of business. I think they've got more talent. Uh, North Northwestern's got a heck of a couple players. Uh, Patty Fisher is excellent. He's if he was playing on Michigan State's defense, people would think of him the same way people think of Joe Bocci. And uh, to be honest, yesterday and in, in getting caught up and actually going to the game and spending the day as a as a tailgater, I guess is the right yeah, word to put it. For maybe one of the first times in your life. Right. Well, for the first time in a long time, yeah. for sure. And it, it, it's not one of those things where I'm sitting there and have looked back at this Northwestern game very closely, but uh, this has been a weird year so far. Yesterday was a weird slate of games and didn't have any really interesting moments outside of the always excellent Iowa-Iowa State matchup. Yes. Mm-hmm. Delayed twice by lightning. <laughs> so uh, in the grand scheme of things, I don't know if either of those teams that play next week, if they challenge for a division title or what, I think... MSU might be closer to it just because of their ability to win big games. And, you know, one thing I saw at Arizona State, and I think maybe the game plan going forward with other teams, and you can comment on if you think Northwestern will do the same thing, but this kind of dink and dunk strategy of continuously just wearing the defense down at some points and just continuing to at least try and move the chains, do you think that's something Northwestern will try and move on and do? And, again, other teams if they can't attack downfield. I think it's something I'm surprised we're not seeing MSU do a little bit more mm-hmm. because you've got Daryl Stewart and Cody White and give them the ball in space and they can make one guy miss maybe. And frankly, I think the thing that separates MSU talent-wise from a few of these other schools that are better is that right now, outside of Elijah Collins, who are you trusting to make a guy miss? You're definitely not trusting Connor Hayward to make a guy miss. Right. I think he got a lot. A lot too much run in that second half for sure. hundred, yeah. And and I would like to see more of all three of the solid running backs right now, and I can include Anthony Williams in that. Um, do they have the ability to sit there on the outside and 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 do some different things? Yeah, but MSU is for whatever reason. I I think the offense looks okay. I I'm I mean, even though 
even though they did look, even though the results are not there with that performance yesterday. Um, back to the original question, though. I think it's a team that I think it's a strategy that wins any team a football game. Mm-hmm. Frankly, uh, a part of me thinks back to for whatever reason the Lions win against the Patriots last year. Very similar strategy: run the ball a couple times and let Matt Stafford make a play on third down. Now, frankly, that freshman quarterback showed a lot of poise. He did mm-hmm. making those big runs. I don't know many quarter many freshman quarterbacks that are going to sit there and do that against MSU. Uh, but. Let's just see Hunter Johnson's that same kind of guy. I think maybe a home crowd would help them in that respect. But MSU's defense now now they're in the spot after these last two weeks. Now they got to sit there. They've got to answer some questions. Right. And frankly, we didn't know if they'd have to do that all year. We saw Week One against Tulsa and thought, man, these guys aren't going to have anybody touch them all year. Yeah. Now they kind of got hit in the mouth yesterday. You think so? I mean, I just I personally think they, that sure, the defense they did it. Gave, I mean, they yeah. only gave up ten points. I'm sorry, but. Mm-hmm. People expect them to put up to zero. People expect them to go out and have just these sure, dominant yeah. performances, and they played damn well. Yeah, but that's that's people are going to see the perception see of the a perception. loss, yeah. and they're going to say, "Well, they better do the X, Y, and Z." And I, frankly, I think they have the talent to do it. It's just a matter of if they find ways to kind of game plan mm-hmm. around that that dink and dunk type deal, which they can mm-hmm. do. Their, their offense is set up, or their defense is set up to maybe allow some of those things, but. I think Arizona State maybe worries you in that respect because we saw them do it a little too well. A lot of uh, a lot of good points there. I think another thing too to consider is there were a lot of mistakes that were made in the game, penalties, uh, drop balls, uh, that kind of stuff too. But yeah, what I, I don't know why you guys hate the tight end play so much. I can't stand they, it. They made a couple. They made a couple of uh, okay plays. They made a couple plays they were expected to make. The thirty yard catch, I think, from Cyber. Yeah, was Cyber, was, a, was yeah, a high point. I I think I I feel like I watched Dotson drop two balls every single game. I think it's it's just looking in comparison that you look at the tight end play and they played okay, and their okay was probably still better than a majority of the receivers. Yeah, that's tricky. Is I think the part yeah. where I get lost is when you start comparing it to everything else about the offense, and now Dodson and Cyber are the probably the best guys. Offensive line wasn't bad, was it? I don't think so. I don't think it was that. I mean, the working had time I mean, to make they, throws. They, they, I think you almost for this time you can almost put this game on the skill position guys. And frankly, Cody White should be having an all Big Ten season now I, I if he wants to yes. make it to the league. He ain't making the league based on these first two three games. So that's a that's a well, my last question here because we do want to get to the picks oh, even though you were oh, even though oh, you were you were uh, the three and six. <laughs> let's three and get to the picks. Was tough, but I you like you look at this offense and obviously it's like it's the same thing every week that we have to talk about. It is what it is. Like this is what the team is. But you go from a team who was you know got a lot of crit- criticism against Tulsa. So then you throw up a fifty-one spot against Western. No one saw. It. I mean, I don't. I, I didn't see it coming. I didn't see fifty-one. I thought I they'd score a lot. Uh, and then you you take a step back here. What is it that you've seen that like? How do you go from the fifty-one points to this? And do you see fifty? Uh, do you see fifty-one points or something like that coming again? Like, is it? A, I don't know. Is like an every other week a they boomer bust type deal? I, I don't. Yeah. I don't. What? I don't know what it is. I don't know if you have the answer either. But I think their usual output will be somewhere in between. Tulsa and Arizona State and and this Western game because, frankly, they do have some bad defenses they can go up and put some points on. Yeah, Maryland, uh, was was kind of I think got a little bit of a culture shock from Temple of all teams. Right. People people were super high on Mar- they were they were ranked. Yeah, and now it's like 
you still, I think you still lean Michigan State now in that game. And right. Rutgers obviously is Rutgers, and I think they got Illinois in there somewhere. Yep, they do. If mm-hmm. memory serves, Indiana as well. Yep. So Indiana homecoming. So I mean, let I think I think next week is actually a pretty good barometer in terms of if they've still got some life left or not, because Northwestern is not bad, not great defensively. Interesting. I don't know, man. It's just frustrating. No, that's a frustrating. <laughs> lo- that's a bad loss to take. I think yeah. Dandrum was talking with me while while you guys were doing the first yeah. segment, and he said that's a really, really bad loss. I'm like, is it? Do we know how good either of those teams are? Right. And I got Herm Edwards at the helm, class act, of course. <laughs> oh, this was this was a point I was I made to him that I'll make again now, really, really quickly, because we got to get to the picks, of course. Yes. Uh, Herm Edwards. That's two nationally televised games for his program against a pretty high caliber opponent, MSU. He probably game planned the heck out of both those games yeah. and focused on those games like he would a bowl game or like he would a big rivalry opponent. I think that's maybe some some part of it. Does it mean that it's any less D'Antonio's fault? No. no. But I think it just means you can't game plan the same intensity level every single week. Of course. For mm-hmm. human beings. Uh, and the game plan yesterday for MSU could have been better, no doubt. But I think it's more down to Arizona State coming in there, and they and they came to play, and they got the job done. They did, they did. And and as much as we want to sit here and uh, slap MSU across the face for being a bad team or whatever people think or getting D'Antonio out, ASU came in and played all right. I agree. I will say that. Yeah, Daniel Daniels played very well. And some of the stuff he did, well, some of his throws weren't great, but he put ball in good places. He dinked and dunked. But by far, it's definitely his ability to run and at least just get a couple yards at anything. There were a couple sacks where he probably should have lost five, ten yards, and he was able to just make it up and get it to just two yards. Boys a freshman. Yeah. It was pretty damn good. And and lastly, did you guys talk officiating in that first Segment at all? Yeah, I was. I thought it was poor on both ends. Hands to the face on Raekwon Williams on that yeah. strip sack. Yeah, uh, I got another play that we didn't mention. I think he tweeted about that. Wins the game. That should have well, been a strip sack. Kenny, 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 Kenny did. Kenny knocked it out. Yeah. Yeah. I thought. I, I thought they were poor. I thought they were very like unprepared, unorganized. And, and hey, I miss. And hey, I missed the leaping call in in real time as well. So, did I. so yeah. If, yeah. If I mean, obviously that's their job to get the call right. Right. But I missed it and. Uh, I don't think you can really blame him for the loss. Like some people probably would on Twitter. Exactly. Right. Which That's, is yeah, that was my thing. Was the refs weren't great, but at some point, if it's you're the Spartans, you're favored by two touchdowns, you shouldn't be in that situation any, yes. anyway. Perfectly said. L- lastly, I keep saying lastly, <laughs> you're slandering Matt Coglin. I think it's I think it's easy for us to sit here and and talk about a guy that just kicks because frankly, watch the guy that does the Buick kick every single that in between bad. the third and Jerry, fourth quarter. Jerry was. Real bad this week. Oh I, yeah. man, you, you know the advertising boards yeah. on the sides. Yeah. It didn't get a higher than the uh, than the top of the board. Yeah, Jerry was bad. Jerry, so, Jerry. <laughs> so I mean, hey, he made two of his five kicks, and usually he's so consistent. But I mean, hey, everybody is entitled to a bad game. Frankly, right. he's he's made enough kicks over the last couple of years exactly that, that have put MSU in such good spots. Right. That. I think you're being too hard on the kid. That's fair enough. We'll give him a break. He scored a touchdown. He did score a touchdown. That's right. Okay, we'll get to the picks. Let's do it. Uh, Not entirely sure of our records last week. Hikaru, I think, is keeping track of it. We will do the math on that. Hikaru just gave the look like, yo, I'm not in charge of any of this. He he got sidetracked during during the first part of the show, and so he did not have time to put the records together. That's okay. I did not. I got to figure stuff out, and I'm... Deep, 
the spread screws with me a lot, so I need. I, I, he sounds as if he's in despair. Yeah. One of you guys, don't one beat of, yourself up. We'll no, take no, no. care of it. One, we got one it. We of got you guys it. need to do like a 101 with me afterwards. Uh, we'll figure out our records. Uh, we have like seven ish minutes here, so we'll roll through them. Uh, we missed the Thursday night game again. I feel like we we did that. Oh, I'm not, you're a Sunday show. But I'm taking that as a as a loss because I, I want to keep the record consistent. <laughs> we need we need to start doing the Thursday game like now. We do. Yeah. yeah I don't yeah. know if the spread's out for that yet. But um, I will take the loss on next. I think the Panthers were like minus six and a half, maybe, and I wasn't take the Panthers all night. And they yeah, they I would have taken the Panthers as well. Okay, so we'll we'll, we'll, we'll tweet it out at some there point. There you go. We'll yes. do a tweet put, out. Put that on the Perfect. WDBM Sports account. I like that. We do have a Twitter. Uh, we'll start with Kyle Turk. Chargers at Lions. The 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 big game today. Chargers are minus one and a half wherever this spread came from. Are we but... are we starting with the with the three and thirteen man himself? Yes, yes. And we're starting start. with the biggest to, game of the weekend. This is the biggest yourself. game of the weekend I've heard. It, it absolutely is. Uh, my, my legal pad on, on Friday night, uh, that I made my same picks on that went so poorly last week. Uh, I have Detroit plus one and a half. I know. I'm sorry. Uh, they can't be that bad again this week, right? I hope not. Everyone, everyone from the Chargers is hurt too, right? Yes. Yep. So I, I think they got to respond because they're professionals and they get paid and they're men. Yes. They're men. Good. (laughs) I agree. Give me the Lions. There's a response coming. Yeah, thank you for that. I'll take the Lions as well. We're so getting... stupid. Yeah, I know. And it's like I said it last <laughs> week. I go, I was like, it's the easiest cover of all time for the Lions, minus three against the Cardinals. It was great for the for the longest part of the game until it wasn't. What but... did the rundown boys say? Uh, everyone had the Lions minus three and the under in that game. But what do they, what do they got coming up for for today? Oh, we we do the we're doing the rundown tomorrow. Oh, but you didn't get the pick in for you didn't talk at the end of the show oh, no, about the pick did. for today. Oh, for today, that's right for today. Sorry, last week's show, I believe everyone took the Lions. That's lovely. And then I think we were kind of mix and match on the over under. I think I might have the over in that one. I'm not sure, but everyone has the Lions. I go with over, and it will be it will be probably the last time that I pick the Lions if they lose <laughs> today. Uh, Colts at Titans. Titans are three and a half point favorites. This is an interesting little game here. Uh, that's all I'm going to say in it because we're tight for time. I have. The good old-fashioned Tennessee Titans minus three and a half here. Yeah, I got Mariota on my fantasy team. Give me the Titans. <laughs> good. That, that's where we took them. That's great. Uh, I, it might Is be hard for the... Word, the uh, pick, picking games based on yeah, the fantasy Yeah, the hometown guys. guy. Yeah, that could be a good one, too. It's an honorable mention. Uh, it might be hard for the Titans to follow this one up as far as their performance last week against the Browns. Uh, I think the Colts are going to be okay this year, but not against the Titans. Give me the Titans. Uh, Niners and Bengals. Wow, these teams stink. Bengals are a one-point favorite. <laughs> Niners plus one because now they got that bump from Tampa Bay going out on Thursday and not looking terrible. And I thought they, I thought San Fran made them look terrible. I'll yeah. take the Niners. I do want to shout out. I got a homie listening in from Ohio. Big Bengals guy. Uh, I'm gonna go with the Bengals, even though they suck. This is a toilet bowl game. <laughs> I will uh, go back in the The Niners. I said last week when bit. the Niners and Bucks bit. were playing, I was like, "This is this is a matchup of, of loser least uh, town." Yes, exactly. So um, I think the Niners actually showed they had some life. I will actually take the Niners at the Bengals. Wow. I don't know why, but I'm taking the Niners because I hate to take the favorite in every single game. Uh, Bills at Giants. Bills are a two point favorite. Buffalo. Uh, the G Men are not very good. That's fair. Give me the Giants. Okay. I think Saquon runs all over the Bills. Oh, so you another think, fantasy you think guy. Daniel Jones is going to come in and okay, I think so. So, so. That's it. Another fantasy guy pick for Julian. That's cool. I will. That's uh, no legit. Okay. All shout right. out to my to my man John Simon. Give me the Bills. I think he's a Bills fan. Yeah. He's got to be. Yeah. He is. Unfortunately he is. for him. Sadly. And well, I'm a Lions fan, so I should probably shut my mouth. Uh, Cardinals at Ravens. Ravens are a 13 point favorite. Whoa. 
I'm drinking the Lions Kool-Aid again. Give me the Cardinals. <laughs> that's, a, that's a lot of points. And I think people are overreacting to Miami just being terrible. Yes. And Baltimore running all of yeah. them. Yes. Yeah, I'm going to go with the Ravens, but yeah, that's a lot. has a whole lot of points. That is, it's almost like I, I, I can't in good faith take the Ravens with this one. I, I think the Cardinals are, are bad. I don't think they're a good football team. I don't like Kingsbury. I think he's, Kingsbury looks like he's like, no idea what he's doing on the, on the sideline. Like, he, he just looks like, gorgeous. He, he spent a lot of time talking to Kyler Murray. During yeah. That game, it was, and they it paid just, off. They were just hanging and out. It, and it entire, paid off. They were just <laughs> Uh, I was surprised because there was a play where he was sitting there on the bench with Kyler. I'm like, you have a team to coach. Yeah, exactly. So I don't know. Uh, I will. I will. He's take... just like, hey, who'd you pick up your fantasy team? Did you pick yourself? I will. I will <laughs> take the Cardinals. Stop it. I'll take the Cardinals, and I will lose this game. But that's just how it is. Seahawks at Steelers. Steelers three and a half point favorite somehow. Uh, yeah, somehow. Uh, frankly, Seattle didn't look that great either last week, and they kind of scratched that game out against Cincinnati. Uh, I have the Steelers in this one. This is probably a reason why my picks did so poorly last week. I'm going to go with the Seahawks in this one. Okay, fair enough. I'm going to take the Steelers because I think they can bounce back. I didn't think the Seahawks look very good either. Um, Steelers look bad too, but uh, give me the Steelers. Uh, Patriots and Dolphins. Patriots are an 18-point favorite. Uh, for entertainment purposes, I have the Pats at minus 15.5. And, uh, and frankly, unfortunately, I have them at nine, uh, 18 again. So I, I don't know why I'm doing this to myself because I know Miami will somehow keep it close. And screw over most of Vegas. Right. But yeah. I'll take the Pats. Yeah, take the Pats as well. A.B. playing. A.B. playing. Uh, this is a lot I don't, of points. I don't care what you think about him as a person. He's is playing. That, was, no. that the, was that what the O is for? No, I did, it, just, it did remind me that A.B. was playing as a Patriot. <laughs> it, that did, I, I, just, yeah, I, I, just, I forgot for a, a moment. After going with like a week of not hearing his name, now I'm like, oh. How did you not hear his name this week? It hasn't blown up. You mean, at least uh, as big as the, the you change, past you change weeks. his number every day hey, in practice. Hey, kind of weird that they've got more discussion on his helmet than on what happened this week. Yeah. That's all I'll say. Yeah, I know. Um, this is a lot of points for this game. Uh, the Dolphins will probably win this game outright, actually, but I'm going to take the Patriots. That's just how the Dolphins work. They always be, they just, they have the Patriots number. Best team in the league. Um, Vikings at Packers. Packers are a two-and-a-half-point favorite. I hope both these teams lose, but Kyle, who do you have? Tight for time, Green Bay. Vikings. This one's tough. Vikings. Uh, Cowboys minus six at Washington. Uh, I'm not saying their name, but I'm not taking them either. Give me the Cowboys. <laughs> Cowboys. I hate that. Sucks to say. Well, you know which name I'm not saying on purpose. I know yes. which one, which name you're not saying. And I can't believe I can't believe any. I think ESPN still says it. I think a lot of reputable places. Yeah, still I don't know why it. people still say it. Like what I feel like we've doing? been over this by now. The Athletic is smart. They say Washington. Yeah, I will take uh, the Cowboys in this one. Our 4 p.m. games now. The Jaguars at the Texans. Texans are a seven and a half point favorite. Houston. Houston. <sighs> Jaguars. Ooh. Seven and a half is kind of a lot. I like the Texans, though. They played they, really well last week. They played a good game. They played really sure well. Uh, Jaguars, Duval. I'm not really sure what Duval means, but Duval. Uh, Bears, two and a half or two point favorite at the Broncos. Chicago. They looked okay last week, but not great. Neither of those teams looked very good. Right. Yeah, this is. I'm going to go with the Bears. The Broncos stink. Give me the Bears. Saints at Rams. Rams are a two point favorite. New Orleans. I don't know why. I don't know why. I think it's because of the mental edge from from last year in the in the uh, NFC Championship game. Give me give me the Niners or, or give me the Saints. Yeah, I'm with New Orleans, and they're they're gonna crush it. I think they're gonna blow really? up the Rams. I think so. I, I'm I'm with the revenge factor. Just drop a fifty piece. Yeah, the the uh, the football gods owe the Saints on this one. I'll take the Saints all day long and twice on Sunday, which is today. Uh, Sunday night games: Eagles minus one at the Falcons. Can't believe the Eagles are only a one point favorite. 
Yeah, I have them. I think I my pick on Friday night was them minus two, and so that hasn't changed. I'll take the Eagles. I'm going to go with the Eagles as well. Eagles. Eagles. Fal- Falcons look pretty bad against Minnesota. They did. The Falcons, of, of all the team. Falcons are like weirdly stinky. I don't know if Minnesota is good all of a sudden. It kind of is a little scary from a division standpoint. We'll find out today. The Monday night game, Browns at Jets. Wow, strap it on, folks. It's going to be a I'm so excited doozy for this. on Monday night. Browns are a six-and-a-half-point favorite. Uh, I will stay away from the mononucleosis, and I will take Baker Mayfield in, 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 and that's a large number too. This is I, I, got it, I had it back when I think I might have had it back pre-injury, and this is the, this is the loser leaves town game. Yeah, this week. exactly. Wow, this is a tough one. I almost forgot for a second that we got one quarterback with mono, and the other one threw a couple of interceptions last week. This is tough. I'm gonna go with the Browns though. I'll take the Browns too. They'll win tonight, and then they'll win the super or win on Monday, and they'll win the Super Bowl, as all Browns fans like to say. Well, all right, the picks are done. Kyle Turk, thanks for being here. Hey, glad to be back, guys, and I'll see you in two weeks for our unofficial official impact tailgate. Oh, good, Ooh. I like that. I like that. You have been listening to the Green and White Report brought to you by Impact 89FM, WDBM East Lansing. I squeeze the legal in because I'm go. a legend. Ooh. We'll see you next week, folks. Thanks for listening. You have been listening to The Green and White Report on WDBM. For all your sports news and notes, go to impact89fm.org slash sports.